tetragrammaton. We're talking about the Grateful Dead. Do you mind? No. Tell me about your relationship to the Grateful Dead's music historically. <laughs> historically, yeah. You know, I I pick up on knowing about them probably in the early '90s when I was in high school, mm-hmm. and I related their music to the people who were listening to their music in high school, mm-hmm. which was okay. That's not for me. There were cooler kids who were driving jeeps with the doors taken off. And they had the stickers and they were going to dead shows and they were talking about dead stuff. So I went, okay, that's not my world. You know, and who, so describe who your world was so I know. My world was Stevie Ray Vaughan, Buddy Guy, BB King. I mean, all those guys. Mm-hmm. That to me was like When did this start? When did your blues fascination start? At about 13 or 14. Mm-hmm. A neighbor handed me a cassette. And he was like, you know, everyone had like the cool boyfriend of the mom of the neighbor. Mm-hmm. Like the, the the kind of cool in between guy between adult and kid, and he handed me this tape. He goes, "If you can play like this, you already playing guitar, just a little bit, yeah." Didn't even really understand soloing. I just knew there was the one thing you could do on the guitar that didn't look like you were sitting by a campfire. Right. I knew there were two types of playing. I didn't yeah. even know how to describe the second type. You know, mm-hmm. I just knew that I wanted something to do with it. Mm-hmm. And I and it was Stevie Ray Vaughan and Double Trouble. And looking back on it. Stevie's music was perfect for being 14 or 15. Yeah. Because it's like atomic. It's like fast. It's in your face. And it was also produced in a way that I could understand, right? So it was produced with like an 80s thing. It was produced with reverbs and really high quality recordings. And so it wasn't like I was going to ever discover Sun House when I was 14, you know. What was the other music you were listening to at that time? Well, I would go back and forth. It's funny. I'd go back and forth between hardcore guitar playing stuff and then like Pearl Jam Mm -hmm. and songs. Song based stuff. Song stuff, you know. So I'd grown up listening to MTV, just songs, 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 songs. And then I discovered the guitar and that was like a whole other dimension for me. So I was coming home from school, going right into old records when I got home. Those were my imaginary friends. I would be at school. I remember thinking that like 21 Jump Street was a good allegory for like my being in high school, which is I'm not really a student. Yeah, I'm undercover. Yes, because what I'm doing is I go home and my classes start at three thirty. Yeah, when these ones end, and you have no idea. Did who you my know you are. wanted to do it professionally already, or no? Yes, but I didn't know it was professionally. I just thought that's going to be my life. Yeah. Did you, you know? ever have the idea of having a regular job in life? Never, never. <laughs> I mean, I got good really fast. And I could hear myself get good really fast. Who do you attribute that to? Luck. Luck. I mean, when I see all these other guitar players on Instagram, I don't assume they want it less than me. We all want it the same. Yeah, yeah. So it's a luck thing. It's an ergonomic thing. It's something. Some Something, you know. And I just looked at it and went, that. And first, if a guy who overthinks everything, that was the most zen sentence that ever came into my head yeah i'm gonna do that what was your first guitar it was a rental washburn acoustic my parents were renting it from the music store my father said 
there's two two types of guitars. There's an acoustic, and that's beautiful. That's a beautiful sounding guitar. And then there's this thing called an electric, and you plug it in, and it sounds like Drek, he said. So that was him trying to steer me away from rock and roll. Yeah. Or the what was your dad's guitar. taste in music? Uh, my, songwriters? my dad was into show tunes, 40s, 50s. My dad's 95 as we speak. Wow. And so he, he was 50 when he had me. So my father was already, you know, sort of in that golden era of- And was that the music that was playing in your house? You know, my, my dad would play the piano, never awesome. improvised a note in his life, but he would play these songs on the piano. And so, yeah, uh, Cole Porter stuff. He would just never smile bigger than if he's recalling an old song. And he would, would always he play say the piano every day or once in a while. Once in a while. Once in a while. He was he was more of a recital guy. So the improv part of me was, was kind of sprung up. It wasn't really handed down to me. I would look at the piano and go, "This is the most incredible thing, too." I just wasn't that good at it. But I just remember understanding intervals from the very beginning going okay look at all these things are laid out it's not like they're out of order i would understand if they're out of order right yeah. so you can look i remember being a kid and going all right they get higher as you go in even increments mm -hmm. that's sort of to me like got it let me mm -hmm. work it out mm -hmm. it's a length of string mm -hmm. that's all it is you know mm -hmm. and so i remember sitting down and trying to work out the piano but it just didn't come as naturally but i still saw it as this magical thing that you open the lid up and you can do anything on it there's a disconnect in my brain between my looking at an instrument and going you can do anything on that and me re realizing i don't know anything about it i mm -hmm. still look at it like anything's possible on it yes and i just cancel out the fact that i can't do it mm -hmm. and i'll try it still mm -hmm. i'll sit down and still want to play it that's the wonder of it you know so was it a grand piano in your house it was a stand-up it was a terrible old baldwin stand-up mm -hmm. upright sorry i call it upright and um funny story about that piano i was in la the very beginning of my career it's 2000 i'm at the super eight motel i'm like whitley and hollywood boulevard and i'm calling my parents to find out what's going on how's everything good my mom says we are uh, we're trading the piano in for a digital piano i go what do you what do you mean we're trading in the piano wait but that's the piano that i my parents weren't very like sentimental mm -hmm. you know i had to develop sentimentality <laughs> or maybe i always was and and, yeah. and i had to figure out how to embrace it. What are you doing with the piano? I'm gonna go buy it. Where did you Where did you sell it? Where is it? Well, we still have it. I go, listen, hold on to the piano. I will take care of it. I had the piano moved into storage for about 20 years and only recently took it out of storage and put it into my house in Montana. So cool. And I still have the piano. Saved it from- So cool. I mean, the piano's worth $800. Yeah, but it's your piano. And it's my piano. Yeah. And we it's need- It's your childhood piano. That's right. Yeah. As I get older, memories, it's not that I question them, but I lose touch with them. Mm -hmm. They might as well not have happened unless you have one totem that you can point to yeah. and say that wasn't a dream. Yeah. Because look, it's right there. Yeah. You know, my, my father just got rid of a piece of furniture I would have taken from him in a heartbeat as another thing. And he put it on the street, you know? And I, I think they're from a generation where they weren't as sentimental about things. Yeah. Yes, yeah, so my first guitar was in an acoustic, it was a Washburn. Then my brother got an electric guitar for Christmas, which was just really odd. I, there was this strange- uh, Older or younger? Younger. And I was like, why would you get my brother the electric guitar? I'm the, electric, I'm the guitar player. So I kind of took it from him. And that's when I went off. Cause you can't really bend strings on an acoustic, mm -hmm. you know? 
that's when I figured out, oh, this is the machine that lets you bend the strings. This is the machine that lets you get vocal. And from that period on, I was in a wormhole. You couldn't get me out of the room. I would come home from school, sleep for like 30 minutes, go into a room for four hours. And that was it. What was, the, was it. what was the first amp? It was a Squire 15 watt amp. No reverb, no nothing. Yeah. I went to the music store one time and I finally heard reverb out of an amp. And I went, this is the most incredible thing I've ever heard. But I couldn't get an amp with reverb. We used to have these Charles Chips potato chip cans, these mm -hmm. tin, big tin mm -hmm. cans. And I took an empty one and I put it in front of this 15 watt amp. And it would just go, <laughs> and I'd go, well, that's reverb-ish. It's cool. I would play into a Charles Chip can just to have the note go a How little bit. How loud would you be listening in your room? As loud as I could, I don't think I remember like being demure about it. I think I probably went for the energy I could get out of the amp before it would yeah. it would blow and up. Would you be playing along with music or just always playing? playing along with music? Always and in my mind, muting the singer and the guitar player, like neurologically. So, you, so it was your rhythm. You had a rhythm section to play to. Yes, and you ignored everything else and just focused on playing with yes. the rhythm section. Yes. Yeah. Have you heard other people tell you that? No, never heard that before. <laughs> have, have you? No. I, I've never heard that before. I would ignore it's interesting, though. the top line, or yeah. I would start to, I could go back and forth. Yeah. I could mute it. So you might head. harmonize with it or do something. I wouldn't, I would, I would. You would never learn a solo and play along yeah, with I, it? Yeah, um, I never saw the value in learning a blues solo Yeah, because I knew how ephemeral they were, but I saw the value in learning the vocabulary. Mm-hmm. And yes, somebody would play something and I'd go, can I get that? Yes, I could get that. And here's the thing about blues soloing. This is really interesting, by the way, because most people I know do it very differently. Most people I know learn every solo. Yeah, I, I saw it like, if you sit down and learn every solo, you go like this. Yeah, I know that's how it goes. If you have a pretty perfunctory knowledge of the pentatonic blues scale and you hear someone play a blues solo, it might sound magical at first. As soon as you go, got it. That's what that was. But that's not what that was. Whatever that was before you heard it is the thing. Mm -hmm. And I always would say it's like playing last night's lotto numbers. The numbers aren't good anymore. They're good if you're in the room. They're good if you're about to play them. Mm -hmm. So I would always try to go for the thing that made the, the solo. Yeah. So what's the scale that makes the solo? And how can I get into that same spirit that the player is in and there now there were certainly times i would mimic what i heard mm -hmm. more as a way to get me into the centrifuge and then start playing it's all, also often not even about the notes it's so much more about the attitude and the that's style all. that's and all the, that's the, all the pocket yes uh and, and i'll come back to this word probably a lot but the intention yeah that's what my whole career is all about now musically is yeah. just coming as close as you can to the pure intention of it. Yeah. And that's what actually makes and made playing with these blues legends so amazing in person because it's one thing to play along with a Buddy Guy record from 1972. It's another thing to play in the same moment with the same supply of oxygen as Buddy Guy. Yeah, so You have a point of reference for the moment the same as he has. So everything he's playing is in that moment. And that's the university lesson. That's the highest, that's your doctorate right there. When you hear 
someone else in that moment playing and you're grabbing from the same moment and you hear what they do that's the best teaching yeah. in the world not what it must have been like 30 years ago from the time you were listening to it yeah you know tell me about those experiences who have you got to play with oh wow <laughs> i got to play with bb king i played with buddy guy a lot eric clapton got to play with eric i got to play with hubert sumlin one time which was incredible that was wild those guys are like digging something out of the earth when they play like an oil drill or something just getting something out of the earth which i respect and try to go for but one thing about me you'll never see me attempt that style of music because when i hear it i go i don't buy that for a second john when you, you know, do it yeah when i do yeah, it, yeah yeah i don't buy yeah, it yeah, yeah. it's fun but i you'll never hear me do yeah blind blake stuff or, or, or even lightning hopkins who i love yeah i'll mess with it at home but there is a line to where I think you should probably. Yeah, it's auth you want to play authentic yeah. music yeah. for you. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. I came up with these guys as like references. They're like baseball cards. They're like, if you're into the NBA and you, you wear different jerseys and you pretend you're a different player in the driveway, that's what I was doing, you know? I did it for a lot of years. So all those pieces are in there still. I could give you Robert Cray-ish. I could yeah. give you B.B. King-ish. I could give you Eric-ish. I could yeah. give you Stevie Ray Vaughan-ish. But not by duplicating what they did, but playing over the grooves that they're playing over and understanding the style of what they're doing. That's right. Like more becoming them That's instead right. of copying them. That's right. That's right. Yeah, seek what they're seeking. Yeah. Don't seek them. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah, and when it's really good, even yeah. when I was a kid, your feet come off the ground. Man, your feet come off the ground as you're playing. You're elated. What else on earth? You know, and, and I think about young people today. There really is way less of that. Not to say people aren't going into their rooms and playing music, but I remember having my feelings hurt, being upset, being bullied, being made fun of, feeling small, and knowing that I was on my way to go home and reset from that and hammer out the dents and re-inflate from playing guitar. And it became a secret that no one else knew, really knew about in school. And that was like my 21 Jump Street undercover student yeah. thing, was like, you have no and therapy idea. as well. The greatest therapy in the world is to play music and say, as you hear yourself play, I am not a piece of shit, you know? Mm -hmm. That's a powerful thing. Where else, if you don't play music, today can you get that feeling when the world is in so many ways sort of telling you you're a piece of shit right one way or the other where else can you go and get that feeling where you go huh am not you can't you know and so guitar for me as it is for so many people and music is for so many people it was like armor it was like armor that no one saw that i had under my shirt and then i'd go to school and deal with whatever that social mess was knowing that i'm friends with these this league of superheroes on cds yeah when i go back to my room and to be able to actually play with some Amazing. of them i had a similar experience without actually being able to play like i would play along with the ramones punk rock yeah but that was it you know like very rudimentary things but i still got to have that experience right even without it being no virtuosity whatsoever right but it still was my savior yeah you got in the simulator 
and you Absolutely. got you know you got in the flight simulator. Absolutely, and that's really what it is. You know, it's, it's a, but you still feel like you're flying. Amazing, you know, it's, amazing, it's, and leaving school, racing home to mm -hmm. just play along, just to have that feeling just, of the energy of the music. Yes, being in the music. Yes, such a great feeling. It's it was the best feeling in the world, and I still chase it, and I still have it. Yeah. You know, I still have it. Yeah, it doesn't it doesn't get old. No. It allows you to leave it when you want to. Absolutely. And I take breaks, but absolutely. Uh, but it always regenerates. Mm -hmm. It always regenerates new tissue all the time. If it, you know, I mean, I'm at the end of a tour right now, and there are certain moves that at the beginning of the tour wowed me, but don't quite anymore. Mm -hmm. I just know that when I go back out in October, all that tissue is going to regenerate and I'm going to want to hear those melodies again. Mm -hmm. you, know, you just have to wait and it all grows back, mm -hmm. which you can't say for a lot of other things. When you play the same songs over a long period of time, like over years and years, do you find new ways to relate to the songs over time? I do now. Yeah. Not in the short term. There's this very interesting kind of graph where you're excited when you first written it, you're excited when you're first playing it, you're excited when it's really successful, and then you have this trench where you kind of never want to talk to it again because you feel as if you've taken everything out of it that you could. Yeah. And then you put it away in what I call like the penalty box. You just put it away. And then time happens to it, you know? You grow up, you slide out of sync with yourself or the self that made that record. Mm -hmm. And then you come back to it and it becomes vintage in some other beautiful way. Because when you're still the person that could have written that song and yeah. you sing it a billion times, yeah. you're tired of it. Yeah. It only gets interesting when you stop being the person who wrote that song. Yeah. You know, in How long of, do you think it takes for that to happen? I'm going to bullshit a number and say probably seven or eight years. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Does that yeah. sound about right? Well, I could say it could be a year. Like, it yeah. depends. It really depends on yeah. you. I don't know how quickly you change. For, for, for <laughs> me, yeah, I, I shed my skin probably every five years or yeah. so. And so now I'm coming back to all these songs on this tour. And I know I wrote them, but yeah, again, yeah. like memories. Yeah. Like the only proof that I was there are these songs. Yeah. That it was recorded. Yeah. That I was recorded. That and, <laughs> yeah. and and more often than not, what happens is I'll go back into rehearsal and the songs will come up on the prompter. And I'll go, He wrote that? That kid wrote that? Because I'm an adult now. Yeah. And I know that I was I was all over the place a little bit when I was growing up. Mm -hmm. But those songs were very truthful mm -hmm. you know there's a lot of energy coming out of me when i was growing up great songs crazy ideas too much talking too much ideating all the time blah, 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 blah. but all that's left are those songs right everything else gets to melt away mm -hmm. even sort of the gossipy stuff sort of melts away mm -hmm. a lot of those pictures they're not on the internet anymore you know all those things i thought were going to stay with me that kind of doesn't stick like the songs do so now it's just these songs and I watch them come up on the prompter and I go, these are really kind of beautiful ways to look at love and life. And I go, I, these are mine now? Because maybe part of it is as, as you get older, your questions get answered. I think that's maybe the main driver in not writing as prolifically as we do when we're younger. It's because we have these unanswered questions. We're writing to what is going on. You get to be 45, you go, like, I pretty much know what's going on, right? <laughs> and I get to read these lyrics and sing these lyrics of a, I know they're mine, but they're a younger version of me that I then have uh, grace for. Yeah. And that's really nice to, yeah. 
have compassion for your younger self when yeah. you read it and go. It's, it's the Baldwin piano. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's the same. Yeah. It's like you get to, Yeah. it's a memory. Yeah, I mean, don't you think back that- into yes. it. It's interesting. I just feel like so much of life is going back into things you told yourself stories about and revising it to the truth, which is you're okay. You've always been okay. You know, you could probably bring someone to their knees if you walked up to them and said, you know, you don't know me, but I want you to know you've always been okay. Yeah. I know what you're thinking. Yeah. You've always been okay no matter what you ever did. It, it will bring you to your knees. It's like it, figuring that out and defending that as you get mm -hmm. older is like you spend, you know, we all spend a portion of our lives in the past. Whether you're driving in traffic or you get an extra half an hour in the morning to stare at the corner of the room. And these songs allow me to kind of go back and go, these are beautiful, man. What are you, what are you worried about? You know, and, and it's very healing for me, especially now that these songs are not racehorses anymore. That's the other life they have. They're not racehorses. They're not out to uh, make a name for me anymore. They're not out to prove to the record company that I can do it, that they made a good investment in me. They're not out to get big names on the guest list. Well, now what are they? All I got. And I'm in front of 15,000 people. And now these songs come to life between us. I'm not throwing music at them. The way that sometimes if you think about rock concerts, they're mm -hmm. sort of projected. Mm -hmm. They're not really, my songs are not projected at the audience anymore. They're sort of projected up like a planetarium or something. And then everybody's underneath it. And that thing is brand new to me. And you have the songs together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I bet you for some of them, the audience might have the songs more than you do. Yes, for sure. For sure. And then I learn from them what the songs are. Yeah. They remind me what these things are. Yeah. It's yeah. so cool. Because for you, it's a moment in time that happened a while ago and you've moved on. For them, it might be something they've listened to thousands of times. Yes. Yeah. And, and it's theirs now. Yeah. And it's a thing with when we make music and put it out into the world, it very quickly becomes something else. That's right. <laughs> Do you know? That's right. But I'm reclaiming it now. Yeah, which is what's incredible. And, yeah. and I know that if, if, you know, if you just sort of glance over what I'm saying, it sounds a little self-reverential, but it, it's only because you externalize from these songs over the years, and then you get to look back and look at what you've written and put on the shelf, and you look at all the different colors of books together. I was only writing one at a time. Yeah. And you got to write 10 or 12 at a time for a record. Yeah. And then you got to go do How another. How many albums have you made? Eight. And I think I have a pretty good, like looking back on it now, like a pretty good percentage of songs that haven't rotted out. Some do, but like there's, there seems to be like an inverse ratio of uncool to longevity. The more sort of quote unquote uncool something is in the moment, the more mileage it might have in it, yeah. you know? And my music was never in any one year like dominatingly cool, mm -hmm. but it was stable in a certain way mm -hmm. as, as work. It was like a very stable craft. And some of it I wouldn't go back to. Some of it I go, listen, that was prototypical. But it's interesting to go back now and see that if you take away the commercial result of these songs mm -hmm. and just democratize them mm -hmm. and just put them on the table, mm -hmm. I think the crowd is watching me look through them especially when they have signs that have names of songs I haven't played in a while. I go, that's interesting. 
And I say, I don't even know if that's going to work on the acoustic. And they get to watch me in real time figure out, A, how to play it on the acoustic, B, how to play it. Tell me the whole story of this tour, because this is a different tour than others that you've done. Yeah, I was always tinkering with the idea of doing an acoustic thing, but knew I just wasn't to the point in my career where I felt like it was I was going to be able to pull it off for some reason. I think it probably had to do with catalog. I just wanted to have a really good stable of songs to pull from. And a few things happened last year where I was playing acoustic and it really worked. I did a, I did a radio show, which I hadn't done in some time. So my memory of a radio show was throw me in the middle of the lineup. I come out and do my thing and I'm out. And then the big band comes out and plays. And it was an arena show in San Jose. And I was kind of one of the headliners with just an acoustic guitar. And it worked. Like, and only worked because the audience made it work. Mm -hmm. I can't stress this enough. It yeah. only works if they build the bridge yeah. to paradise for you. Yeah. If they don't, you're nowhere. You can't, you can't overpower them you with an acoustic guitar. You cannot. And there's 20,000 people you out there. You cannot. You will yes. sink yes. if you tread too fast. Yeah. If you tread your arms too fast, you're not swimming, you're flailing, and you sink like a brick. Mm -hmm. And they were created this golden road to where I wanted to go. They're all building this thing, you know? And I got off stage and I was like, well, wait a minute, that it's actually doable. And then I had just started to have this idea about 2023. And I'm pretty good at reading tea leaves in the near future, you know? And I went, I feel like everything's gonna change this year before you can really make a plan for anything. So I'm gonna go month to month this year because I don't trust the outlook of December from January. So I'm gonna go month to month. And I'm not kidding. The, the first week of January, we booked the tour. The third week of January, we were shooting all the photography and I was coming up with the name of the tour. What's it gonna be? What are you, how are you gonna call it? How are you gonna you know, put a stamp on it? On sale, a week later, like eight weeks later, the tour started. And what was so brilliant about it is number one, artists plan things so far in advance. We wanna do them, which is why we plan them. Yeah. And most of the time, by the time we get to the doing of the plan, we don't want to do it anymore. Yeah. And the other thing that was fascinating was in terms of selling tickets, we don't know where we're going to be in eight months. So it's not that people aren't buying tickets to a show in October because they don't want to go. I don't know where I'm going to be in October. So something really interesting happened where in January, we sold tickets for shows in February and March or March and April. And everyone was like, yeah, I'll still be in school. And that just made more sense to me than booking things that far out in mm -hmm. advance. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I'm more into it by the yeah. time I do it. Yeah. They're more into it by the time they go. You're just shortening that fuse between that sounds cool, I think I'll do that, and doing it. It makes sense. The whole world has gotten more immediate. Yeah. yeah. You know, we live in an on-demand world. That's right. It makes perfect sense. It makes, per and now you're seeing me in the middle of my initial desire. Yeah, the excitement and of to it. do something. It's, yeah, the fire of the idea. Yes. You get to do it now yeah. and we get to experience it. That's right. And, and I remember saying, just because it's fast doesn't mean it's bad. It's Not at all. Idea. It's, I think maybe just the opposite. Yeah. yeah, and my team is great. And I hate saying my team, sorry, but it's, it's incredible yeah. and so flexible and just so immediate and dynamic that I could say, I wanna do this and that and that. And it starts with a vision. You can't yeah. waffle. I mean, if I waffle and I go, well, it might not, then we're over. You can't do it, right? It's just too short a period of time. 
but I'm pretty good at downloading a vision and not wavering from it. And so this tour just turned out to be way more special than even I thought. I thought it would be like an appendix to my normal touring. And it became weirdly like the centerpiece of all of it. So cool. Describe what shows like. It is like taking a magnifying glass in the middle of the afternoon and trying to get the beam from the sun so bright into the one tiny, tiny, tiny part of the paper that can burn. Like, how do you get all of who you are? How do you get those lenses to line up so that you really can refract everything that's inside you and make it work? Now that goes against a lot of the thinking of touring, which is repetition. Let's get doing these shows so it's muscle memory, baby. Up we go, down we go. Like a Broadway play. That's right. And the, This you, is the opposite. You cannot do that. Yeah. You cannot do it. I've never in my life been more in tune with myself in terms of even living in my body of stress. I am in my physical body more than I've ever been before. If I don't sleep, I feel it. If I don't rest my voice, I hear it. If I'm stressed, I wear it. Okay, what do we do? We have to lay down put on music, you need an hour. It's all of this real objective. And it's a solo acoustic tour. Solo acoustic. It takes me forever to write a set list because I have to be honest with myself. What do you want to play? What do you want to play tonight? Who are you tonight? Mm -hmm. And what is the set list that you will have the most fun sledding down this perfect? How far before the show do you do the set list? About an hour. And I go through two pieces of paper because I'm always fighting with yourself, with my, with, with my instincts, yeah. because there's the one instinct in me that goes like, don't let them down, give them the biggies. And I don't know if you've had experience with this. Like sometimes the audience doesn't want the biggies. Absolutely. And both the artist you and the audience. You can't even project what they want. I know they want it to be good. That's exactly right. And I know right. you want it to be good. That's exactly And I right. have a feeling if you're really good, everyone's happy. That's what I'm saying. And, and if you think about both the audience and the artist yes. having the wrong idea about the other. Yeah. And the audience would say, well, we thought you loved playing it. And the artist would say, well, we thought you loved hearing it. Yeah. And if you come together, you go, well, I don't really need to hear that one all the time. I know you play it all the time. I thought you loved it. Yeah. Well, no, it was just big and I thought you wanted it. Mm -hmm. And I've started to learn that they don't need waiting on the world to change. Yeah. That, you know, certain songs are part of the rocket booster and they fall back to earth to get the other payload up where you need it to go, you yeah. know? So I write the set list that's an impression of how I feel. And then I go up and the show starts and it's still organic and it's moving around the whole time. And depending on how they make me feel or depending on what the signs say with the song, I'll, I'll go off a little bit and go into some other things. And as long as it's honest and everyone's in tune with it, it's great. I still have to talk myself down from this idea like, we haven't played a biggie in three. John, you don't have to play a biggie in four. You don't even know what a biggie is anymore. No. Nobody's gonna agree on what the biggie is. No. It's over just yeah. have fun yeah. and there's a lot of learning you're also reinterpreting the songs because you're playing them acoustically that's right so it it's already new it's already new it's already new that's right so a song that may not have been a hit in its recorded version right. could be 
the best song of the night as an acoustic song. That's precisely right. And if that happens, then people go home and go, I like that song. That's that's one I want to hear again. Yeah. And that is the power of a tour in terms of the water table of your of your work is that you can actually sort of elevate songs that were seen as quote unquote deep cuts into mm -hmm. being really important songs. I mean, I've seen Pearl Jam do that in real time, mm -hmm. democratize everything, mm -hmm. you know, so that, so that in concert, these things, they all have value. And I will say this to anyone who wanted to do that, get ready for two or three really uncomfortable years of touring because you have to push against that thing of like, where's the biggie? Yeah. And exactly what you're saying has yeah. to happen, which is trust me, you're yeah. gonna like this more. Yeah. It's like, I know we had plans to go get sushi tonight, but I'm not really in the mood, trust me, I found a place we're both gonna love more. Yeah. Trade it in for something if you trust the person. Yeah. And if I take everything up there with me, you can't go into show mode up there alone. You gotta take it up there with you. I have said to the crowd, my heart's in a different condition tonight. You know, I got a text before I went on stage about my dad's health condition that had some verbiage in it. You know, sometimes you get these texts that say what they may have to do for an older person. And the may have to do disappears and the words that they may have to do hit your heart, you know? And it was like two or three minutes before I went on stage. You cannot yeah, you can't forget separate that. that. Yeah. You gotta bring that up with you. Yeah. You know, a therapist yeah. told me a while ago about anxiety bring the little scared kid up with you on stage. So you can come along. Changed so much for me. Absolutely. If you're, if you're anxious and that part of you that's a kid is still anxious, you go, do you want to come with me? You can come up on stage with me. And I've brought him next to me. You can come up on stage. You, there's a lot of people out there. I know. I know. It's weird, but trust me, I got it. Yeah. And then you can take care of yourself. Amazing. In that way, you know? Beautiful. And I said, I, my heart's in just a different condition tonight. And the moment I admitted it, yeah. the music went right on track and started healing me. And everything stopped being about whether my vocals were on pitch yeah. or whether I had the breath control. It doesn't matter. No. You know, it doesn't matter. How miraculous is music? It's, it, it's it, crazy. It, it just gets deeper as you get older. And, and, and I'm gonna make a bit of an admission here. I thought that I was out of road about six months ago. And that's okay to think you're out of it. I'm not talking about retiring, but just going, I might not be able to put the spin on the ball like I used to. Okay, that was, that was a good run and we'll do some songs occasionally. But, and then I learned that the dumbest I'll ever be is in my own sense of myself and, and what lies ahead for me. Because six months ago, I was like, I think that's probably it. I've never been more energized to right now and I'm playing new songs on stage. Yeah, maybe that feeling like let you off the hook to be yourself again. That's right. And it, that's right. of course you wanna make things cause that's what you, who right. you are and what you do. Right. Of course. There's two places you write from. One will never work and one always works. <laughs> the one that never works is the one that happens most often, which is wouldn't it be cool to have one like this? There's no way around it, right? Because the second way, which is, this is just purely emanating from me, just that train doesn't come through the station very often. Mm -hmm. So we spend a lot of time going- You can't count on it. Yeah, you, you can't, can't count. count on it. Wouldn't it be cool if I had one that went like this? Mm -hmm. Probably what you're doing when you think you're writing those songs is you're assembling firewood 
for the moments where that second thing really does come through. Mm-hmm. And so none of it's wasteful. No. But you cannot believe the narrative at any given moment yeah. that your creative youth is over. Yeah. And also sometimes you got to write some bad songs to get to the good ones. Absolutely. Just happens. Nothing ever happens on the spot. People no. go, I wrote it on the spot. You know, I will show you six or seven other demos that had that chord progression. Yeah. Right. And I look at age, you know, I, I, I don't reckon with it, but I know it's in there. And I look at 45, I'm 45, I go, okay, I've been doing this for a lot of years. There is this impulse to want to put your hands on your kneecaps and bend over and breathe and go, okay, look, that was a good run. And I don't know where that comes from, except from like the suggestion that 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 must be what it's coming down to. And then I went on this tour and it was like, where did this all come from now? You just have to wait till you pick up the right guitar or hear the right song. You You never know. You never know. You never know. And so now I'm going to do this tour as I write my next record. Great. Which is just the way to make me square up with who I am every night. Uh-huh. John, these are the songs you write. And then I go, are you tired of playing all these songs? Write the next one you want. Uh-huh. That's the best way to write music. Absolutely. Write the one you don't have yet. Absolutely. And after playing over and over, I go, I got a few I don't have yet that I want to write. That's great. You know? How did you uh, end up? essentially becoming uh the lead singer of the grateful dead (laughs) um i was working on born and raised with don was and i had heard a live version of althea by grateful dead and then don knew about that don handed me like working man's dead and that sort of got me a little deeper into it and then and then i remember getting really deep into uh, the serious Grateful Dead station, which is... And w- let's go back, because yeah. originally when we started talking about it, we know in in school, Dead was not for you. Now connect, bring us up from there to... So Grateful Dead, out of my life yep. for most of my career yes. leading Meet, up. M- most of my life as well. Yeah. We, and, we have similar and relationships I, to the dead. I love meeting people who have that same path. Yeah. And in a way... I didn't get it. You had to listen to everything else to be able to understand what it was doing yes. that the other stuff can't do. Yes. You know? Because I always liked music based on songs and I felt like that's not really what they do. Yeah. Like, yeah, there's songs in there, but that's not why it right. is what it is. Right. Until you realize there are songs in there, but you have to learn the songs via the best versions for you to learn, which take you a while to find. Yeah. They're not their albums. No. But all it takes is for each song, one one live version of a song when you're driving and you go, the right I got version. it. Yeah. I now understand the language of this song. Yes. And then you can listen to any future version of that song as dilapidated as it might be, as fast as it might be. And you now understand the framework of the song. Yeah. And I always say, it's like your kid talking to you. No one else can really understand it, but you know, you understand the language of it. So once you, once you have this uh, defining moment with each song, that helps you understand the form. How does anyone get into the Grateful Dead? Isn't just it, I agree. I, I I don't know how it's possible because it's not set up. It's inaccessible. It rewards the journeyman. It rewards the investigation process. And when you then peel back a layer, you're the one who found it, yeah. and it becomes personal to you. Yeah, it is a maze. But if you work your own way through it, 
you have your own hold on the music via whatever way you took into it, right? Because if you take every live Grateful Dead recording and divide that, really multiply that by the number of songs there are in each recording, and then multiply that exponentially by the order in which you might be able to hear them, everyone's journey into it is completely different. Yeah. No one says, I now have three favorite Grateful Dead songs, and they're all the three same songs. No. They never are. No. You get a different fingerprint depending on where you were when you heard it. I did some great drives when I was first falling in love with this music. Yeah. I was doing some camping. I was in Joshua Tree. I was in you know, BLM land in Arizona, driving through these great you know, badlands and stuff, listening to Grateful Dead and discovering, oh, St. Stephen's different than you know, Jack Straw or something. These are different songs, you know? And the visuals of where you are when you have this music imprinted into you stay in the music. Yeah. So it's really good in the car. It's really, really good in the car. I was telling yeah. you before. Yeah. It's all how you parse time. That's what I'm learning about life. It's all how you subdivide time. And if you get in the car to drive for 35 minutes and you just put the radio on, you're going to hear 14 different things commercials announcements, songs, and it's gonna litter your brain. If you listen to Grateful Dead channel, you'll hear the end of one song and the whole rest of one other song, and then you're to your destination. And you can just let your brain go and look out the window and look at the billboards and, and look at, it probably makes you a better driver in the sense that you don't get uh, antagonized as easily, yeah. you know? And you get where you're going and you actually might have it had an experience. It is moving music, it, yeah. it, like it goes, with the drive. Yeah, it's traveling music. It is traveling music. You know, I, I, I've said there's no Grateful Dead songs that take place at home, mm. you know? These are all people on the move all the time. The spirit, the world, if you put all these songs together and build a town, nobody lives there. Is there any other music that's like this? It seems so singular. Not that I can think, not, not in any kind of a popular idiom at all. And, I think it rewards the work you do in finding it. It's well worth the work when you finally decode it. And I also think people who don't get it are appreciated by people who do because it creates more value to getting it. I've, I've seen people enjoy their wives not getting it because it allows them to have a place to go. It's something, it's theirs. I've seen wives, I've heard wives tell me, I actually do enjoy it, but I want it to be his thing. Amazing. I actually do like it but it's so much of who he is that I let him have it. Okay, so you have the experience with Don Was. So I have the experience listening to these songs. And what's so fascinating about the Grateful Dead, but moreover Jerry's playing, right, is that I cannot visualize it. Now I'm a good enough guitar player that I could close my eyes or not close my eyes mm -hmm. and see what most guitar players are doing. And then pick up, I don't even need to have a guitar in my hand. I can just pick it up and do it because I can see where you're going. And I've learned that the music I love the most is music I cannot visualize. So I hear Althea, and I couldn't play it for you mm -hmm. if you just handed me the guitar. And for the first time in years, I hear a thing on the guitar that I can't place. But it's like I don't play the guitar, and now I want to. Wow. Because I, I don't know what that is. So my brain goes, file not found. And all I can do is listen. 
Those are my favorite moments as a musician is when something is so beyond my ability to visualize it, I'm forced to just listen. I love it. And so I did. And at the same time, I had a vocal issue I couldn't sing. So I was forced to shut up at the same time. So there's this overlay of me not being able to what sing. What was the vocal issue? I had a granuloma in my throat, which is benign, but very nasty because it's basically proud flesh that keeps building up in your vocal cords because they won't stop moving, you know? So all you have to do is get an abrasion in there once and you start this momentum of it not being able to heal and it just keeps trying to heal and your voice, your vocal cords won't close. Yeah. So it took No me singing or no talking or nothing? No, nothing. Yeah. For on and off for a long time. Mm -hmm. A surgery didn't work. This and that didn't work. Finally got out of the woods on it. But in that period of time, I was just listening to the Grateful Dead, mm -hmm. not really being able to go be a musician. I was just a listener. And then... Uh, I started making a record again, and I was at Capitol Records. It was, at, it was at the Capitol Recording Studios. And Don said to me, hey, I'm meeting with Bob Weir and Mickey Hart today. You should come up to my office. And this was just when they announced the Fairly Well shows with, uh, with Trey. And I went up and met them. And I don't ever have anything in mind other than um, just like extolling the virtues of something to the person who made it. Yeah. I love telling people what it is they did, even when they know. I don't yeah. know why. I just want to, do you have any idea? Feels good. Right? Absolutely. Do you do that to people? You Absolutely. You, we just have to. Can't wait. I just have to go, do you understand that what this really did? It? And they were like, uh, you want to be our publicist? You know? <laughs> because, I, because I really was in just the very moment of that explosion of understanding and loving the music. And then they said, what are you doing in March? Because they were going to, keep going and then at that point that was my goal from that point forward was to be in whatever future version of this band that it was going to be because i gotta be honest i wanted to play on that jungle gym yeah i yes. just wanted to swing from those bars yes where else can you do it this is why people have grateful dead cover bands not because they want anything else out of it but to experience what it feels like to play that music. It is not a commercial endeavor. It's, I gotta know what that wind feels like blowing through my hair. And I have that same thought, mm -hmm. except now I had met the original guys. Yeah. And they were actually talking about doing some other, more exploratory stuff with, with the music and maybe going electronic with it. And I was like, guys, the most space age thing you could do right now is to keep doing this because as a, de facto spokesperson of this generation, this is about to be the most space age thing that's ever existed is rediscovering this music. And I sort of impressed upon them, like stay analog, stay analog, Thank stay, you. Analog, stay analog. Don't overthink this, please, please, please. I've never wanted to do anything more. And I went up and, and we started, I would say half rehearsing, half auditioning. There's an audition sort of. Yeah, yeah. And I didn't really have that many of the songs. I maybe had three, but I made sure to try to grab at least the spirit of the thing. I want to ask you, are you playing as you or are you channeling Jerry? God, that's a good question. Let me break that down for a second. That's, I am thinking about Jerry all the time. And I wouldn't say channeling, but I am making sure that it's being run through a little bit of that thinking. There have been shows I've done 
where I decided to go straight rogue, Brent, like just me. And it breaks a little bit. The tether breaks a little bit. It doesn't mean copy. It I just understand. means I get understand. In the spirit of. That in thing. In the spirit of. That thing. In the spirit yeah. of. Yeah. And again, like almost the way that my career worked as a guitar player where I took so, I copied so many times from so many people that I forgot what I was copying. So I just started being myself. That's happening on this this in this band now i mean there's we've done so many tours now that i might just be copying what i did four tours ago not copying what was on a record yeah which is always great when you start kind of spoofing your own stuff instead of just throwing other influences into the mixer mm -hmm. and is it an intellectual thing or is it a feeling thing are you thinking when you're playing i am thinking to get myself set and then i pull the thinking away so I'm very, like, I have a right brain and a left brain going at the same time. It's very sort of bilateral all the time, all the time, all the time. So I have a gymnastics coach in my head. I have a guitar playing coach, and it's me. Stop it, it'll say. You already did that. What are you doing? Come back. Hey, chill. Excuse me. What are you doing? Relax. Go back down. <laughs> Go back down the neck. Go back, to, just hang out there. So I will get intellectual is when, it going the whole time or does that happen come up sometimes is there always a voice when you're playing correcting it, you yeah uh, it sounds like correcting is what that's that you're what you just described was not telling you what to do it was telling you what not to do yes. really yeah um okay if correcting is not a bad thing then i would say keeping me on track okay the way uh, there was always the scout next to the sniper who writes down the windage and stuff, just your windage, up two clicks to the left. Mm -hmm. It's a little more like that. There you mm -hmm. go, there you go, mm -hmm. there you go, and then it goes away. Lately, I will say, so there's this thing with guitar players when a solo is approaching, where guitar players see the solo coming up over the horizon and they start thinking about the solo when it's eight bars away. Mm -hmm. Where am I gonna go with this? Should I go up high? Maybe I'll go like up high and go and lately I just let all the music come. And when I start playing, that's what I play. That's great. Yeah. That's, that sounds great. That's closer to mastery than that sounds great. Okay. Here comes the solo. I mean, you can see that in a guitar player. Here comes the solo. It's coming. What are we going to do? I think we should probably do a major, the boom and you get hit. And now you're not even in the moment because yeah. you're, you're too busy thinking about what it was going to be. But for the first tours, I mean, there had to be curriculum and scholarship in it because I was taking all this on. And now there's a little bit of tenure where people know how I can play, so I don't quite need to prove anything to anyone. How long have you been doing it? Oh boy, we started in 15, so wow. we're in eight years now. Amazing. We have our own band history, Yeah, you know? Yeah, and how, how does set list get decided? I get a text from Matt Bush, who is Bob's tour manager and manager, and Bob and I look at it first. We go through it. I don't know if the rest of the band knows that, but they do now. We we sort of go through it. Most of the time now it looks good. Yeah. Uh, sometimes there will be a song that might be over my head I need another day on. Yeah, so you might just say, I'd rather not play this one tonight because I, I don't do, feel like I'm ready to play. I need to do my homework on that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's a realistic. Yeah, that's right. That's a realistic concern. That's right. Yeah. 
And I loved the prep work. I mean, I, yeah. I still love homework yeah. as a musician. Yeah, yeah. If I'm sitting in with someone. Keeps you off the street. Yes. Well, I think I've never gotten over the fact of how cool this job is. Yeah. That even if you have to do something related to music, it's yeah. still cool. Super cool. Sorry, guys. I got to go home and I got I to learn the song for tomorrow. The actors kind of do that. I have to be up so early tomorrow. I have to go up to Santa, Santa Clarita at five in the morning. Like, there's still this love of getting to do it. Yeah. And I just believe in preparation because yeah. I never- And that it's work. It's like, it's not, you're not up there messing around. It's deadly serious. It's, it, you, you, you create your own space to mess around and then you mess around. Yeah. And then you have to build another mess yeah. around spot yeah, yeah, yeah. and mess around. And, and when I say mess around, no, no, it's no, not, I mean it like, what you're doing is very serious. You take it very seriously. I take it very seriously. But you're you're there to play. We're playing. Yes. It's play. Uh, so every but night. The, the, the fact that you get to play is serious. That's serious. And you want it to be as good as it could be, as the best you can do it. Right. And I have these sort of shadows cast over me by giants absolutely and, and huge shoes to impossible shoes to impossible fill. shoes to fill in a lot of ways except you can give people the same feeling of being in the crowd i've noticed we could do that all you got to do is put on jerry garcia playing the guitar and you go right right there's the guy but what I've noticed is that you can bring people to their desired place in their mind with different guitar playing. If the guitar playing is in the spirit and has the same intention, you know, I'm, I cannot play like Jerry Garcia, but I can watch Jerry Garcia play and try to learn sort of heart and soul of playing. If you listen to a guitar player play long enough, you'll understand them, especially as a guitar player. You know, you can sort of reverse engineer who someone must be based on hundreds of thousands of choices, right? And so if you take all those choices that he's making, a lot of times he's making the sensitive choice, not the pelvic, not the th sort of, you know, histrionic incendiary. He's making the sensitive choice. That's changed my guitar playing. Yeah. You know, there yeah. are some bird-like things about his playing. Yeah. He, he's not gripping the guitar. I, I came up listening to, Stevie Ray Vaughan, who gripped the guitar. Yeah, opposite. Yeah. And Jerry Garcia is like Bill Evans to me, yeah. where they're both playing an instrument that if you didn't ever see the instrument, you'd think it looked different than it does. Yeah. Because of how they're able to coax it. Yeah. They're taking straight lines and making circles out of it. That's how I see great guitar players, great pianists. When I hear Bill Evans play the piano, if I'd never seen a piano, I would think it was circular or that it was like a spiral or something, not straight lines. And the guitar, to a certain extent, it's just straight lines, right? How much better of a guitar player have you become from being in this band? Okay, this is an amazing question. <laughs> a better guitar player in, yes, I've become a better guitar player, but I make more mistakes. And here's Great. Why. It opened up all of the Great. partitions. We play in boxes. Blues guys, we play in boxes. Yeah. We know three or four different shapes and we're in no man's land until we get back to a home base on the neck. Oh, here we are. Okay. Da, da, da. Playing the music of Grateful Dead inside of Dead and Company opened up every fret. You're free. Free. Now that works for that music. Yeah. Then I go back on my tour. Yeah. I start taking the same kinds of chances and I get hit in the head.
sometimes but i bet sometimes it's really good sometimes it's really good and sometimes even the wrong note is really good maybe i mean that that's the tricky part is coming back into my playing yeah I, now i can't revert i can't undo and i don't want to yeah, no so now i'm playing my own music that used to have a certain way around the neck that now the neck is brand new to me it's brand yeah. it's wide open yeah. so i take all these chances and i do think my music is less forgiving harmonically structurally that makes sense then because it was written in that it was written right. in a less forgiving way that's it was right. written in a, in a right. box that's right yeah. so i uh, take these chances and i fail a lot more now on my own music but i just can never i just can't put the toothpaste back in the tube on that i i now have all the blinders taking off on the on the guitar neck i love it you know I love it. I make I make a mistake every night now if I'm if I'm soloing on stuff. That's mistakes I never would have made before because I didn't Understood. know they were out there. <laughs> yeah, you, did, you didn't know they were possible. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, you're reaching now. You're reaching for the possible. That's right. Before you were going to what was something known. That's right. Now you're reaching for the unknown, which and sometimes it's there uh -huh. and sometimes it's not. That's right. That's incredible. That's right. I love it. Uh, and I'm learning to take the ego hit of that and go fine. Yeah. fine whoopsies yeah, yeah. I mean, well, it's about a different thing it's bigger than mistakes that's right but my music that's already existed pre me being in dead and company is less resistant in my mind to i understand mistakes. but maybe that's just in your mind sure oh listen most of what's going on is just in my mind <laughs> yeah but, but what's interesting is creating new music in the future that can accept it yes creating new music in the future that well, uh -oh. you will, and you, I will. You obviously you will because now you have a whole new relationship to this instrument. That's right. That's right. And that has to be good. It's more fun than ever to pick up a guitar at home and play because I'm playing from a different place now. Like so cool. I'm playing from a different place. I don't have set stuff I play on the guitar. I don't have. I think most guitar players like have a thing they do. Mm -hmm. I have none. I have no. If I went to Nam, the music conference or something, and I sat down and there were a hundred people watching me pick up a guitar. I could suck for five straight minutes yeah. before I picked something up that was like all of a sudden like, oh, he flipped a switch, he's found something. Yeah. Because I don't have like a thing I do. Yeah. I love to this day picking up a guitar, the volume is up and I haven't played a note yet. Where do you put your hand? And it used to be about burning and blowing and, and now it is about what is the simplest thing you could play that would communicate the most out of this guitar and sometimes it's, I mean, really, really basic, but with so much depth or the attempt at adding depth into it. And when you do that, I almost want to get other guitar players around and go, just try this. Just try yeah. this. And mean it instead of playing these shapes, you know? Yeah. It's I tricky, feel like you know? you're starting all over. All over. I feel like you're, 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 your next project will be your first album. I've tried to make every album my first album. Yeah. And I've been obsessed with the idea of, not youth, I don't want to hold on to youth. No. But I want to hold on to what I would call creative youth. Yeah. Which is... Yeah, naivete, the, the, the childlike wonder yeah. Go of grab this it. thing. Grab it, grab yeah. it, grab it, yeah. just grab it. Yeah. And again, I, I hinted at this before. It's like the older you get, everything else in your life suggests you stop doing that. We call it settle down. So settle down. Settle down with this person. Or hey, settle down. And, and you do give up things that promote excitement 
I stopped drinking six years ago. I don't hook up. I don't run around the streets. I used to go out at night and bring sunglasses because I'd probably wake up somewhere in the morning. I haven't packed sunglasses going out at 8 p.m. in, you know, years. Mm -hmm. Well, how do you find that still without that propellant of coming to the studio, being, you know, having a couple drinks? How did drinking change, uh, stopping drinking change your playing? I became way more musical the whole show. When you get to the last three, four songs and you're drinking, even a little bit on stage, I wasn't a lush, but even if you just drink a little bit, you're at the end of your show becomes a little bit of a carnival act. Isn't it interesting that so many people think that loosening up allows their creativity? Yeah, it, it, I don't think it's true. It, it'll give you about, uh, it it always gave me about 15 minutes. Yeah. I used to pour a little bourbon in the studio and I would got you out of your head a little bit. I would think I was going to be there for three hours. You probably have seen this before. You know what? I'm going to pour a drink. Let's get deep tonight. And you get behind the microphone. You get about 15 minutes and you go, oh, it's passed. Yeah. You know, now my commitment is to, it's hard to explain, just consistency, just consistency and getting out, getting out of your head, the idea that there's, how do I say this? Like you've got to depend on magic to be good at something, you know? I think when I was younger, I was so scared I wasn't going to be good that when I went up and I was good, I had to go burn it off because I couldn't believe I'd been holding on to all this tension all day. I think when you see young artists, they go, it's going to suck. I'm not going to do it. It's not going to work. It's not going to work. And they're in stress all day. They go do the show. It's predictably great. They get off stage. They're so relieved it didn't suck. They have to go drink. You know? And as I get older, I go, can I take these two posts? and move them closer together. Do you know what I said the other night? I was in St. Paul. For the first time in my life, I said out loud, it's gonna be a great show tonight. I had never said it. Wow. For fear of cursing the show. Yeah, jinx. How many more show? how many more years, John? How many more decades are you gonna to have to go on stage without incident, playing great music, before yeah. you can say, tonight's gonna to be a great show? Yeah. That's another lesson on this tour I picked up, you know? It's going to be great. Go have fun. There's another thing that I would bet 99% of the time it's great for the audience. Yeah. Where maybe 50% of the time it was great for you. (laughs) Well, that's what I say is the difference between giving a good show and having a good show. Yeah. You're always giving a good show. Yeah. Whether you're having a good show is sort of up to you. Yeah. And because it's just in your head, it's It's just your your, your own. Why did why does everyone Fighting hate the LA yourself. show? Why does everyone hate the LA show? It's because there are more moments of self-criticism yeah. in the LA show yeah. than any other concert. So that yeah. by the time you're in the second song, you've got a dozen notes for yourself. How are you going to play the third song and enjoy it yeah. if you think oh, I already ruined it? Well, why didn't you think that way in Cleveland? Well, because you just weren't doing that to yourself, mm-hmm. you know? I always said I wish that I could play a show that someone told me was Cleveland and they went, "Surprise, you actually just played LA." Yeah, Yeah, it's also like the difference between playing at the Meadowlands versus Madison Square Garden. For some reason, the same people go to both shows, but Madison Square Garden is Madison Square Garden. Right. So it feels special. Right. It's the same same thing. And you tense up. Absolutely. When you play the garden. Absolutely. You You just, just history. You tense up. So there's there's like, you do a trade-off when you do those shows. You're getting 15% more energy out of yourself, and you're probably taking 15% magic away in terms of what could be. Yeah. But you're making this very calculated risk that 
I don't want to leave it so much up to the gods at the garden in case it doesn't work. So I'm going to mitigate that by a set list that's got bangers on it. I'm going to staple myself in a little bit. More protective. Yeah. More conservative. That's right. But we're going to make sure the insurance policy is there, that it's going to work. Yeah. It's just going to have a little bit less magic in it. Yeah. And I think artists take that deal because it's, you just don't want to go home into your hotel room and, and say that you had attempted something, you had attempted a leap at the garden that you didn't land, you know? Yeah. So the ultimate dream for me is to have a show at the garden and go to dinner while people are filing into the room. And just be cool. And just be cool. Yeah. And not Doesn't see. happen that way typically? Never. I What's see. the vibe before the garden? I almost see um, going into the stages of nervousness as something like part and parcel to the show. Yeah. So what I'm talking about, I guess, in so, so many words, is like learning to let go finally. Learning to let go of all these things that I've been holding on to, like white knuckling. Yeah. Let go of the set list and what you think they want to hear. Let go of holding yourself to these standards of pitch. I'm producing my vocals as I sing live. It doesn't do any good. You just sang it's live. Yeah. Why are you producing it's your vocals? Done. You can't punch in. No. And then the ultimate for me, and I'll try to do this in the fall, is you don't have to do a sound check. It's just two lines. It's an acoustic and a vocal. Go to dinner with your friends. Go to dinner and look at your watch and go, yeah, people are in the room. They're sitting down. They're, they're getting food and drink. I'll be there. And walk in with 15 minutes and try to get the stage to be level with the earth. Yeah. And that I'm already announcing is like, that's the ultimate. If I can do that, I will have succeeded as a musician. Yeah. That will truly have internally succeeded as a musician. Instead of what I tell people, I have to go get nervous. As if it's part of the assembly line. Yeah. You know? Yeah. How much of what I'm saying is a shared experience across the board for artists? A million percent. Yeah, the, all A million percent. I, I have the experience every time I start a new project in the studio. I've been doing this for a long time. Yeah. Had a lot of success over a long period of time. Every time I start a new project, I'm terrified. Because I know ultimately for it to be good that's not really in my control yeah you know i know that something has to happen it happens a lot i see it happen all the time yeah but i know it's not in my control i know i can't make it i can't will it to happen so i show up humble <laughs> you right. know like i want it to happen and i also feel like there might be some expectation on me that someone might think I can make it happen. And I know I cannot. Does that then put more onus on the artist to make it happen? And no. you know that? No, no, no. So you think that you're as responsible, the artist is as responsible slash not responsible for what comes as you are. Everyone's responsible, yeah. it's That it everyone's in the passenger seat in a certain way. Oh, absolutely. Do you ever feel the weight of pressure or disappointment if you're in the studio for a certain number of days and nothing materializes? No, I, it's I'm pretty patient. Yeah, I'm, I'm anxious, but I know it always works out. It always comes around. It's not like it never comes around. It comes around. Well, that's so f funny because I've got eight records under my belt, and I, I think every record's the last one. Yeah, and again, then I write a I've song. I probably that's made two hundred albums. You know, I've done uh, yeah, I've done so many albums yeah. that the experience is it. It just it oh, we always find a way. We yeah. always find a way, and sometimes. I come in anxious and then right out of the box, amazing, right? It, you know, it's not unusual for it to be great right out of the box. It's, it's, I always call it, it's like gambling with self-esteem. Yeah. 
And that's, that's the part I wish I could impress upon other younger artists. That's really songwriting. Yeah. It's not how you're doing when, you know, the spirit's in the room. How do you live off of crumbs for a long enough period of time that you can wait, you wait for, for the, magic. the next moment? Because you to have come. to. You can't, you no, can't it, depend on the magic and yeah. we got to show up. Yeah. We got to show up and make something happen. And sometimes you need to make something bad happen to get That's to the right. good. It's part of it. That's it's right. just part of it. But when you're young, and especially young in this day and age, it, you really take it personally. I see. Yeah. And, and you can't have people in the room with you that you consider an audience. You might want someone in the room with you that you want to sort of impress. No, I agree. But, I agree. But people in the room, and then you're going to go home and going, oh, they came in here to watch me write, and I haven't written anything in four days, and they think I suck. Now you're multiplying your disappointment by what you think other people are thinking. Yeah. Well, the idea of having someone watch you write is an insane idea. It's ins it seems, there's only a few seems like a terrible idea. There's only a few people who can who can do it who, with me that I can do it in the room with. Yeah. But I'm you're a great writer in my book if you can drive home with the radio off knowing you didn't get it today <laughs> and shower it off like a great basketball player who didn't win the game yeah and wake up the next day and go let's hit it let's yeah. go again yeah, yeah and i can live between the kills pretty well yeah and the other thing that i think young writers need to figure out is like it's always going to be code cracking after you have your fun of bringing the song to life bringing a song to life is always the fun part it's the best but it doesn't finish the song no now you have to put on a yeah, lab work coat to do absolutely and you cannot go yeah, to dinner the, the craftsman comes in to the it. room and cancel everything yeah there's work to do there's work to do there's and work. that is my favorite moment when you know that i got something yeah and you know that what i just came up with in 15 minutes yeah. has inside of it yeah. all the information yeah. for the verses codes cracked, the choruses we know what it is we know what it now is we just have to make it but we know what it is and that's a big difference in looking at a blank page yes. and it's that's the, my it's the favorite world, thing yeah, it's the best feeling it's the best feeling and you yeah. know and i always say this about days that are long you got to go to bed sometime yeah day's going to be over at some point yeah, yeah yeah so even if it's three days yeah of massive excavation yeah of 800 different takes on the verse it's going to be over at some point yes and when it's over you never have to write it again. No. But you will always have it for the rest of your life. And I see young artists sometimes with a hard drive full of minute and a half ideas that were just the spark. Yeah. And they move on to another spark and they move on to another spark and they move on to another spark. And I'm like, day two and three and four, yeah, yeah you don't leave the room. You put sweatpants on, you're in a hoodie. You're in a hoodie. You're not going out tonight. Your friends are going out and you're not. Why? Because the greatest thing is about to happen to you. You know, and all these songs that I play on stage now represent a night I went, shut it down. We got work to do. It's my favorite and like least favorite. It's just, it's this wonderful torture you know you're in for. Your, your iPhone is going to be on all night. You're going to be just walking around aimlessly typing into your iPhone. Mm -hmm. I use a whiteboard now that I swear by. I have this digital whiteboard. That sounds great. I want to see that. I swear by. There's a way to write songs now for me that's very mathematical in terms of making it easier on yourself to understand what's left to write in the song. So I go, okay, if you have a verse, you have a rhyme scheme, you have syllables, you have the spirit of what the song is, that's 15% of the song. Mm -hmm. If you have a chorus, that's 50% of the song. Do yeah. that three times. Yeah. As soon as you have a rhyme scheme, you now know exactly what your second verse has to do or not do. 
So everything you come up with is just take it off of what remains that you have to do. Yeah, and the less you have to do, the easier the it feels. The easier it feels. Because you feel like you have momentum. I have sold a lot of people on the whiteboard idea now. Yeah. It seems silly at first, but you get to see it right up there. Yeah, and the closer you are to the end, the easier it is. When you're looking at, what am I gonna do? I don't even know what it's about. Yeah, It's impossible. Yeah, But then when it's almost done, I have a slightly different version of this than you do in terms of needing to finish it. I like to get as far along as possible when that spark arrives. And if there's a, like in the context of working on an album, I don't think of working on a song to the end necessarily when working on a body of work. Like we might work on all of the songs at the same time, getting them as far along as we can and then a different momentum happens. When you, when you like if there's one song that's just hard to crack, mm -hmm. it's easier to crack it when you've got 12 other songs done than when, oh my God, and how are I we agree. gonna get to the rest of the album? We can't even do this one. I agree. You know, like there's, a, there's just tricks of momentum. There are tricks of momentum. You're absolutely right. The combination here didn't work. Wait till a new combination falls into place. That's actually the secret to life now is if something's not, working just wait until the sequence changes yeah and it'll open the door yes it'll open a different door yes. or open the same door a different yes. way yes. But, but either there's way always a way to it's win. okay yes it's okay now what i will say is as a writer for me the reason that doesn't work as well is because the concept of the song is only 2020 vision for me the day i have yeah, it of course i understand and if that portal closes I have to scratch up the hill to Understood. get back to what new, I. You're a whole new person. Whole new person. Yeah. So there are times I forget the thrust of the song yeah. that is so immediately present in the first verse and the chorus and the second verse. I go, I forgot what I was really thinking. Yeah. So I'm a big fan of cancel everything. Yeah. I don't care if I don't eat. I don't care if I don't sleep. Yeah. What equation of like work to result is better than if I work these next three days? I can play this song the rest of my life. Yeah, and something John Lennon talked about is like as soon as you have the beginning of a song, even if it's just a rough draft, write it to the end. Yes. Don't let that moment yes. pass because you will never come. You'll back never to come it. back to that. So again, you don't. I, I don't know if you have to refine it, but you have to really get it as close as you can yes. to a great first draft, where then maybe yes. it's like, oh, I'll change this word. That's or maybe this line's not as good as it could be. That's right. But get to where it's like, I see this whole song. I couldn't agree more. Just just get a circuit going. Yeah. Get the light bulb to light up because yes. all the wiring is in there. Yes. And then it's so much easier to change it. Yeah. And then you realize most of it didn't need to be changed. Absolutely. I mean, there are so many songs I have that have what I thought were, and I call them, placeholder lyrics. Yeah, yeah. And they're not placeholder. Yeah. Because as writers, we hold ourselves to this line-by-line -line standard of impressing ourselves. I have a song, I can't say we've been holding on for years. That's just boring until you sing it. Been holding on for years. Guess the love like it works. Yeah. Not every single line has to flick you in the forehead. Yeah. But you think that when you're writing it yeah. until you go play it. And sometimes the simplest line, the most ordinary right. line right. ends up having a, right. a life of its own. Yeah. And we can't even know. Well, we that's don't what I was even gonna say. know. That's what I was gonna say. It doesn't make you better the more you do it. No. 
It, it, it makes you better in one way. Yeah. A, not panicking. Yeah. So you have the experience of knowing that you land on your feet. Yeah. And B, when you're in the trance, you can't extend the trance, no. but you can make the trance more efficient. Mm -hmm. So when I'm in the trance, I can grab more out of the dream. It's almost like, imagine that you could dream and for a certain part of the dream, you could wake up with money you stole out of a bank in the dream. Yeah. That's what songwriting is. You could actually wake up in bed with a sack of money that you stole in a dream for the 15 minutes in dream time you have. There's nothing else on earth. I mean, I know there is in art, but other than art, there's nothing else on earth where imagining it creates yeah. it. Yeah, you're starting with nothing and then you have this thing Forever. Forever. And it's beautiful. And people could sing along and it can change their mood. It can change their life. It can, it can set a memory when they hear that song of an experience that they'll remember their whole life. Yeah. And it took you 72 hours of real hard work just to yeah. get the idea out of you. And sometimes. Shorter. Five, five minutes. That's right. Sometimes. Sometimes. When we're lucky, yeah. again, we don't control it. But the fact that it takes however long or short doesn't really matter. Doesn't what matter. matters is. There it is. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And to go home on a Wednesday where when you woke up, the song didn't exist. Mm -hmm. And when you go to bed, the song exists. It's the best feeling. It's the greatest feeling in the world. And that drives writers crazy because they get hooked on that feeling. It's the best feeling And you world. can't get it sometimes. Yeah. And what do you do in between those feelings? Yeah. Well, a lot of people go, I'm a piece of shit. I'm a giant, I suck, mm. it's gone, it's gone. And I think the better you get is like saying, it's not gone, Yeah, it's off doing something else. Yeah. And wait until Getting you- Getting a great performance is the same. Like when you have that song and then you record it and it's, you know, sometimes you'll play a song and it's good. And then you'll play it again and it's good. Play it again, it's a little not as good. And then you play it one time, it's like, hmm, sounds like a different song. You play yeah. everything yeah. the same and like, now it sounds like it's the greatest song. Yeah. But nothing, what's different? See, that's different for me as a solo artist because we don't have takes, really. Yeah. And I've always wanted to be in a band that had takes. I've done it sometimes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I do know the magic yeah. of it. It's ridiculous. When you see it happen, going from pretty good to stunning. Yeah. And no one knows what changed. Yeah. yeah. You don't know. I want to be it's a like part of it. It's like everyone's that. doing the same thing. And it's like, Boom. I want to I see so it. Cool. I want to see so it. Cool. You know, poor Don was sometimes, who's so good at sitting in the room, taking his hat off and putting the headphones on and, and driving that stuff. Yeah. Like I know you are. I don't give him as much to work with as I know bands do mm. because so much of it is layered, you know? And, and that's another reason I love Dead and Company is yeah. to be in the community. Yeah, you're in a of band. music. We rise together, we fall together. Yeah. You know, there are nights I want to, I'm ready to take off and the band isn't. And I go, okay. And there are nights the band slingshots me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, yeah, takes are always interesting. Full band takes are always, that's, that's out of my comfort zone and I don't want it to be. I really, maybe the next thing for me is like the new Wilburys or something. It'd be a fun thing to do. You know, just to be a part of that again. Yeah. Let me ask you a question if I can. Yes, please. Uh, is Rick Rubin opinionated about music? Is he, does, do you have hot takes on music? Do you sit around with friends and go, that's bullshit when you listen to it? Mm, I mean, you're human. I, I, don't, I wouldn't use that word. I would probably just say that doesn't speak to me. You know, that's not for me. Got it. Is that is that an effort to 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 look at things that compassionately, or you've just never been the type to to be critical? That, well, I don't think that there's good and bad music. You know, I, I think 
I like some things that nobody else likes and, and right, uh, right. you know, like I, I, so that's, that's not a practice to think that way. No, I think of it's so apples and oranges, the things that people make mm -hmm. that any idea of like comparing, which is better than someone else doesn't make any sense. It's like Jimi Hendrix makes the best Jimi Hendrix records. I, I agree with that. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? No sure. one else could do it, but you can't say that that's better than a Jeff Beck record, right. you know, because Jeff Beck right. is better at being Jeff Beck That's than, right. than Jimi Hendrix is at being Jeff right. Beck. I saw fish and I went, these guys are the best fish I've ever exactly. seen. Exactly. Yeah. That's yeah. the idea. It's like, if they're good at what they do, and the crazy thing about music is someone's good at what they do. They don't even really have to be good. They just do the thing That's that right. they do. Right. I'm trying to grow old gracefully and not be, I don't want to wag a finger at Elvis. Yeah. That always, even when I was a kid, I was like, I just don't want to be, it's like the bad guy to me. The yeah. bad guy in the movies, the one who shakes the finger at Woodstock, you yeah, know? Yeah, yeah. But what I found is really helpful for me, because I, I, I like being critical. I think it's a fun way to pick things apart and yeah, interact yeah. with things, yeah. is to criticize it. You know, when you get me home alone, I'll get deep into stuff. I also like defending things that are criticized a lot. Mm -hmm. I, I, I enjoy the being, being equitable with that mm -hmm, stuff. Mm -hmm. But what I like to do is, split it like i call it like split the stock if you think that something's gone so downhill then split it and call it something else so if i were to say i don't get today's music i don't want to say that so what i say is well a lot of what i'm hearing is social media soundtrack and if i say that now now i can say that's really good social media soundtrack mm -hmm. instead of that's bad music mm -hmm. and i do that with a lot of stuff so that if I redefine it, I give it the the dignity of calling it something a little bit different. I just different. think about it, it's not for me. That's how I think right. about it. And there'll be something, I'll hear something new, yeah. where I have that same experience that I have when hearing the dead when I first right. got it. It's right. like, hmm, what's gonna happen next? Right. This is different than things I've heard before. You're saintly. It's such a great feel. No, it's just, I love that feeling. Yeah. I'm always looking for it. Always looking for that feeling of just like, Whoa, that's really cool. Yeah. That's really cool. I am too. It's just sometimes I don't go looking for it in music. Like I, I, lately I don't listen to anything in the car. Mm -hmm. I don't listen to anything. Do you just listen like, to podcasts or talking or anything? Nothing. No, no, just silence. Silence. Mm -hmm. and I, don't, I, I just love it. Especially if I've just been working on something. Yeah. I like silence. But I, I enjoy like the act of drive. I like, I don't know if I'm, if I'm quiet. I'll hear things or I'll think things. And there's, again, there's just this built-in sense of, of time and elapsed time in my head where I say to myself, I've heard so much music. I've heard so much. And by hearing it, I digest it pretty quickly. Yeah, so you want a break. Yeah, yeah. Cool. You know, so I'll go into something else completely different than music. Yeah. And then that hits me like music. Or I listen else. to more, I will say, I listen to more audiobooks and podcasts than I listen to music now, which is a big change. Yeah. Because I listen to music pretty constantly before that. But I like the auditory experience. Mm. And if I'm, let's say, I'm exercising, walking on the beach or swimming, I might do like a chant or a mantra in the routine of what I'm doing instead of just yeah. wandering mind. I put on like a rain noise in the dressing room. Nice. I have these blue lights. I just put a, nice. put on rain. A, a lot of my favorite music is 
theoretically like nature sounds. If you think like Grateful Dead music plays like nature music. Absolutely. It just plays and rolls like Rolling Thunder. It just, mm-hmm. you know, and Bill Evans, who I listen to constantly, mm-hmm. is might as well be forest rain or something because of how sort of glacial it is. And, and it just makes you feel something more than, again, like intellectualizing it. And then you come back to it and you go, ah, this is great, but I have to take a little, little break. Do you think of yourself as a guitar player or do you think of yourself as a singer-songwriter? I don't think of myself, well, wonderful. There you go. <laughs> I'm gonna say what you were sort of hinting at, which I think, I think of myself like my name. I think of myself like I do John Mayer. I do this thing. Okay, okay so inside of that, it's 70% guitar player. No, maybe it's 50% guitar player, 35% songwriter, 15% singer. Singing is last for me because I really do not believe that I have an objectively like facile, great voice. As a lot of singers don't. I have to always write for my voice. It's like there's two people. It's like, John, you're stuck with this guy. He sings pretty good, but he can't really reach a lot of notes. How can you compose songs that sound like they're high, but they're not high? Because this guy can't get above like, you know, a high E on a guitar string. And so if I were able to sing with incredible range, I would be able to write 10 times as much music. I'm limited by a voice that's technically a baritone. If pop music venerated the baritone, I would be a megastar, you know? So all my songs are actually pitched pretty low. They're meant not to sound that way. Mm-hmm. How do you do that? How does that trick work? I don't even know. I don't know. Maybe the harmonic of it is is bright. Sort of the harmonic movement is bright. But Daughters is, I know a girl. That's, that's the note. Fathers be good to you. That's talking almost. You know, I really wish I could do, you know, if you love someone, set them free. I would, to be able to write something like that. So as a songwriter, I'm a little hemmed in by the vocalist. And then of course, being a vocalist, you have different conditions every night as a singer, different conditions in the studio every night. Who knows why? So I don't love that. I feel betrayed by the voice. Yeah. And I never it's the fi- most vulnerable part of the operation. Yes. We are mid-evolution between screaming across a jungle and singing arias for an entire lifetime. We're in the middle of it. Mm-hmm. And we're sort of using it in a way that it's not quite meant for yet. Right? It's like a misappropriation of a part of your body to be able to sing and then decide you're going to do this consistently over a bunch of years. You know, So I find the flimsiness of that to be sort of like emotionally betraying. The fact that we don't know if my show on Friday, if I'm gonna have a clear voice or if I'm gonna have that other little second note in there for no reason. But on guitar playing, it's never let me down. Guitar playing is special for me. Mm -hmm. Singing is an application of a thing on top of it that I have to work to make special. And so when when I access both those thoughts in my mind, the guitar playing is, the walk down just a beautiful beach and the singing part is a little neurotic because you just don't know if it's going to be there and so singing goes on top so that it expresses all the other stuff that's in my head 
in a language people can understand. Because I wouldn't really want to make instrumental guitar music, mm-hmm. you know. So we write around it, and now I'm writing much more in a zone vocally that's really fun to sing in, you know. I'm the boy in your other phone. For, I'm going to ask for an acoustic guitar just because I just realized it'd be really nice if you had a guitar in your hands. Sure. So singing in Dead and Company. Yeah, yeah. Let's talk about that. That's different. That's different. And I try to make it work. I try to make it work. There are nights I feel good about it. There are nights I don't feel good about it. I have a good ear. I have a really good ear. I have an honest ear. A really honest ear. Like I'll, I cannot bullshit myself. And the tricky part is that uh, Jerry was the exact opposite. Jerry could sing really high and make it sound like it wasn't high because he sang so relaxed. He's almost on the opposite end of the, of the spectrum vocal range wise. And I am singing some of these songs and not only, by the way, this is not just pitch. This is about vowel sounds. We write the vowel sounds that work for our voice. So all of a sudden, it's not that it, I can't do da 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 da. It's driving that train. Yeah, I you wouldn't would never s- write that for yourself. I would never write it for myself. Right. I'd go tell me na na, tell me na na. That's what I would do for the shape of my larynx. So to squeeze it into dry, it's not a very uh, automatically pleasant thing i know this i i have an ear i can hear it as i go my job is to find a way as best i can to shape the note that sounds as close to what the spirit of the song i can do that on the guitar way easier yeah and there are times where i know that i'm not quite the exact tonal color that i'd want to be for the song but i can't swap a vocal cord like i can a guitar yeah so that's an interesting lesson in embracing my limits. Hey man, I'm just John. Yeah. I know I try, man. I yeah. try. Yeah. I try to relax. Yeah. I try to sing Terrapin in a way yeah. that communicates the same thing. But I'm just I have me. It's still me. And yeah. I can only operate within the parameters of who I am. So I'm gonna do the best job that I can, try to relax. And some people like that and some people don't, and I agree with them both. But in fact I'm I'm relieved when someone says they like it, and I understand when someone says that they don't quite think it fits. How different in all of your study of Jerry from both guitar-wise and vocally, show to show, year to year, era to era? I think I've gotten smoother in both my playing, and I've gotten more languid, I've gotten more relaxed. There's only one way to start something, and that is to drop into it. And the only way to drop into it in a gig like that is with confidence. So, okay, we're gonna drop in, we're gonna try our best. We're gonna take our first shot at the target. And the first shot at the target was a bit verbose. Mm-hmm. As I was learning to really work down all the layers of Jerry Garcia's playing, my first interpretation of it had to do with sort of the number of notes. And as I kept working it down through more and more tours, and by the way, what I'm talking about is like embarrassment, listening back and going, no, no, uh-uh, no. And the joy of this band that's about to end, sadly, is that I've always had another tour 
Yeah. To get, get it right. Get closer. Yeah. Get closer. Oh, when we go back out, wait till I figure this part out. Yeah. And I would do that and get closer and get closer. Tour three. Now we have like mo certain nights there's a whole song. And not the next one, but there's a whole Peggy O. Wow, that made sense. And and then I started to get into the earlier Grateful Dead stuff that was less guitar hero. It was just less no fewer notes. And that started to knock me out. So I was taking pictures of the serious station on the dashboard when I heard something I love. I do the same. And it's 72 or 74. Yeah. 72, yeah. 73, 74. Yeah. That's the stuff. When yeah. you move through all the other that's stuff. That's what you, made that's, me that's what made me find them yeah. after not understanding them most of my life. That's the point of entry. It was the yep. uh the reckoning. Yeah. That was the way in for me. Yep. It's like, oh. Yep. Oh, it's a they're a folk band. They are a folk <laughs> band. And what I had thought they're on they're an R and B band. They're yeah. a country band. Yeah. You I know, don't think they're a great R and B band. I don't know if they're a great country band, but they're a really good folk band. Well, well again, they're a really great Grateful Dead because what mm -hmm. I figured out, mm -hmm. I thought that they were purposefully landing just south of R&B. Mm -hmm. I thought they were purposely doing that. Yeah. And then I learned they were really trying to nail it. Yeah. I usually, when an R&B song comes on, on on the Dead channel, I usually change channels. I go to Sinatra when they start doing R&B. Interesting. R&B like a cover of R&B or R&B flavored? I don't know if there are any of their R&B songs, so more the covers. Right, which would be like Midnight Hour or something, you know? There's yeah. a lot of them. Any yeah. of the Motown-y type Yeah, thing Dancing just, in the Streets and stuff. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, there's a reductiveness to it that I sort of enjoyed. And what I thought was that they had aimed for it. And what I found really exciting was that they hadn't aimed for it. Yeah, they had yeah, aimed yeah. for the real thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I think that's the case with most bands who miss what they're aiming for, but end up on something else. Yeah. You know, that's when I loved it. That's when I really yeah. got it. And actually there's a couple of versions of songs. Not that I'm going to start sending you no, please nugs, do. Please do. but where Billy Kreutzman is playing like Clive Stubblefield yeah. and you, and there are a couple of times you go, who's on the, what? Yeah. There's a couple of things, I mean a couple, just magic nights. I've even thought to myself like, is everyone like perfectly slept and like freshly showered on this version? Did everyone just take a nap and for the same length of time and woke up and had the same meal? They're playing perfectly, you know? Yeah. And um, really what it is, is like musical aquarium. Yeah. Stare at, you just stare at the fish go by and, and it's, once you learn the form. Yeah, it all makes sense. It all makes sense, you know? <laughs> It all makes sense. So, it, but, but getting back to like why it's so fun to play on is nobody's writing those song forms. So you can only, a solo is only as good as the chords, which is why people love Little Wing because it is like 23 bars in the progression. And so people can't stop playing that because it, each chord progression takes your guitar a different place. And there's so many versions, or there's so many examples of that in dead music where guitar players just want to be able to jump around on all those chords. Even if the actual zone of guitar soloing is is the same, you know, and I know we're on an SM7, but it's like, it's like, even if the guitar solo is like. Well, 
Well, it's really. Which is super cool. Who wouldn't want to play on? You'd, you'd play on it all day because you've never heard. Da, 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 da. The guitar players aren't really there. Guitar players are, you know, in the, in the pentatonic blues stuff. So all of a sudden, you get to, it changes your whole ability to play guitar because these chords are so great. You know, no one's writing that stuff. Yeah. You know? I got to make an album with ACDC. And one of the secrets I learned about the way they did it is when they tracked a song, they didn't do the solos. They just played the rhythm section of the solos. And when it was time for the solo, they wanted the solo section of the song to be the most exciting part of the song before the solo happened. So they would play. They would speed up mm -hmm. on purpose. They would like lift Great. off. Great. And you never even had to hear a solo. It was just in the DNA of the track. Yeah. Great. To just, and they often, you know, changed chords to the not what you'd expect in uh -huh. the rest of the song that felt like it was lifting off. Great. And then Great. hit it harder and sped Great. up. And it was all intentional. Like even before the solo, it was the most exciting part. I, th that's amazing so to plan cool. that in. So cool. I never saw anything like Change it. Change the was inversions, there. leave space for it, hit it harder. Unbelievable. Wow. Unbelievable. Wow. They were really like, wow. They really knew what they were doing. Like they knew how to do ACDC so good. Sure. <laughs> it's unbelievable. Yeah. And it still all works. Yeah. The, the best loud sound I ever heard in my life was ACDC at mm -hmm. the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Mm -hmm. And it was the greatest. I mean, it hurt, but it hurt so. It was the mm -hmm. best sounding hurt in my ears I ever heard mm -hmm. in my life. Ever. Yeah, they're amazing. It was like, okay, you can have these little hairs yeah. in my ear. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I'm, are you pretty hearing protective? I try to be. I try to be too. Yeah, and yeah, I just yeah. want, this is, this one's worth it. Oh, absolutely. This one's worth it. Yeah. I usually will listen loud for, 30 seconds or so to understand it and then i put the earplugs in oh so you don't even you don't turn it down in the room you would put earplugs in well i'm giving the example of at a concert oh at a concert say. sorry yeah, yeah. like sorry, a, yeah. it'll live yes. something yes. i might want to like that's right get the full experience for a moment right before putting put the earplugs yeah. in do you have tinnitus any ringing i don't have ringing but i definitely have lost some high end i see and you work that into what you're doing you compensate while you're it's, that's for the audience to decide. And so you do compensate. So <laughs> no, you, I don't know. I don't right, know. Right, right, right. Yeah, I can't. Say I always it. worried about how would I adjust if yeah. I lost high end? Would I have someone else be my high end concierge? Yeah, I'm hoping that I'm hoping that the mastering engineer deals with that. Right. Okay. Got it. <laughs> got it. Yeah. But I also feel like you can feel it. Like I could cover my ears and listen. Yeah. And I have a pretty good idea what the mix is doing. Right. I could listen from the next room. Yeah. And have a pretty good, like, it's either working or not. You know, you can, I think that the energy of it is less about that detail and more about this feeling. Uh -huh. So you have fewer parameters that you're looking through when, when a song's coming through. You sort of, I had a doctor tell me one time that he was a lumper, not a splitter. And he really was. He didn't subdivide every last thing down. Yeah, he, yeah. he he had ten minute visits. Yeah, you know. Yeah. So there's probably something there that a lot of people could take from is not having so many sliders in your head of parameters. Is it this? A, is hey, it's really one big ball. Yeah. Does it feel good it, or because that's how it is to the audience? Right. The audience hears it as a ball. Right. There you go. Yeah. And and everyone starts hearing it as a ball when yeah. they're a kid. Yeah. And as they get into the life of music. 
they start to isolate and they can't go back yeah. to hearing it as a ball. This is a brilliant conversation right here, this little nugget, because I still have the ability to what I call like take my ears out of focus, like crossing your eyes, yeah. just cross your ears yeah. Yeah. and yeah. check it. Yeah. You know, just how is it as a ball? Because yeah. I didn't even, I was, I was in Berkeley College of Music months into it, before, weeks into it before I could isolate a kick drum which is funny because then I go back to these songs I loved as a kid and I go, oh my God, this is the recording? Yeah. But that's great. That's great ignorance. Yeah, yeah. That's great ignorance. I mean, I yeah. don't pick things apart necessarily anymore. But when I'm writing a song, I have a very distinct vision of what I want the thing to sound like. Mm -hmm. I had a song on my last record and uh, it was a song called Why You No Love Me, which is so funny because people just did not love it. And, and I <laughs> loved it. I thought it was great. Yeah. And I love thinking something's great and finding out I'm wrong. I just think it's wild. Well, you're not wrong. You love it. I love you, it. You you loving it is never wrong. Yeah, I guess you're right. Well, no, I was wrong in thinking they would. Yeah, you can never know that. <laughs> That's something that you could be wrong all day. But I love that it. That you'll always be wrong. I love it. I yes. love it. Yes. I, I love the I love the the gamble. And I wanted this sort of Stephen Bishop on and on. Yeah, I love it. Really song. sensitive. And I had to we did the drum track three times and I was trying to explain what I wanted the drums to do. And I said, you know what? I finally got, it. I said, you know what? I want the drums to go fit. I want the snare to go fit. T H I T. Yeah. And then we got fit. Yeah. And I remember feeling like with Don that I had gone past my line of credit a little bit with going for a third drum take. And when we heard it, it was like, that's what I'm talking about. Yeah. So I do get into that, but in terms of so tell me, how do you make your records? What you're describing is, is foreign to me, so that's why I'm asking. Oh, as a solo act? Yeah, tell me what you um, do. I'll write a song. Yeah. I demo it pretty well. Most of my demos have the DNA of the song. And will that be with like machine drums or what will I'm it be? I'm a big MPC guy. Okay. I decided I was going to get really good at one platform. Mm -hmm. And so I'm really good at MPC. It's clunky, but it allows for these other great opportunities to happen mm -hmm. so because it's not streamlined all these cool accidents can happen and i will sit so you're a hip-hop producer in a way That's... i mean i've been on people's records through playing into an mpc yeah because you can use plugins right then and there mm -hmm. which is wild it's like i almost don't want to give away the secret sauce but you could use your guitar as a software instrument wow the guitar can be a software instrument and then you can use all the effects that a software instrument would use, but your guitar becomes a Rhodes. What's a guitar if you pitch it down? It's a Rhodes. It's just a time. It's just boom. And you can do anything with it once you put it into an MPC. So I would be on people's, I would go to play on people's records and then not make the cut. Because I'd bring a bassman and a, and a strat. And it wouldn't fit in the record and it wouldn't make the record. And so I started bringing an MPC and playing straight into the MPC and just taking the, left and right out and it would sort of put all the it would it put it into context of the rest of the record and then it would start fitting records and it was on like travis scott's album and and just showing up on people's records mm -hmm. with a guitar finally again but for the most part i figure something out i'll take so the rule is no writing over loops don't just loop four chords and write over it you'll get stuck all day don't stack a loop so high that you just have a great sounding loop and nothing else I say the song is upstairs, it's from the neck up. I'm always bringing the song back up above the neck. It's in your head, it's in your voice. Don't 
make a beat, make a baseline, make a chord thing and go to lunch. You've done nothing. You've just made a loop, you know? And I'll do a little drum loop, but nothing that takes away the sound field. So it'd be like a rhythm tone ace machine, you know, those little things, boop, boop, beep, boop, just little things. But you're starting your demo from the drums typically? Just a little bit of something. Something to play to. Something, just a little bit. Yeah. So the more rolled off and small, just a pulse. And then I'll take one. So a, essentially a click track, but something with flavor. Something with a little flavor so you're not alone. Yeah. But you don't want to weigh down the space so that you've got nothing else to add to it. Mm -hmm. Sometimes I'll take a little ostinato pattern or just a B3 pad, just something, mm -hmm. just to take away the white canvas. Mm -hmm. And that way, you know, different chords will all of a sudden just pop a little bit more. And then I'll just sing and I'll sing and I'll sing until I hear myself say the truth. It's you haven't played guitar yet? No, I'll play guitar. Yeah. I'll play guitar. I'll just guitar move and sing, or you do all the same time. Guitar and sing. I'll just move around. You know, or normally something has to feel good on the guitar, like has to. Now, feel are you good. describing writing or demoing? It happens at the same time. Ah, always. I, I, I don't sit in a room and write alone with it. I, it's you happening. You don't write alone on the guitar. You very always little. Okay. It's all building up at the same. I have to okay. think about the song all at once. Okay. So by the time the song's done, there's I sort understand. of the records there, I understand. you know, and I just go until I hear something truthful and I go, wow, it's getting harder to impress myself. Cause I've got, I have a catalog of things. I go, did that? Yeah, I did that, did that. But when I catch a spark, I just stay and I go, and then I have a demo and then I bring the demo to other people. And is the demo pretty close to yeah. how close is the demo to the final record? They're all pretty close. Yeah. They're all pretty close. The drums can be, but now what's great is Aaron Sterling, who's a fantastic drummer, who's played on a bunch of my stuff, lives in Nashville and just cuts drums at his house. So I can text him and go, can I get a loop, like a two bar loop at 95 BPM, just going like, he's got it. An hour later, I've got real live drums I can write to. That saves me all the time. It's just to have something real there. I'll pick up a bass and do so. I don't really know how it works, but it works, you know. And I, why is the demo not the record? Because they're two-dimensional. The bass loops. The drums loop. You know? I do think there will be things coming up on the next record that are looped that just have magic in them. Mm -hmm. You know, I have a song where the guitar parts, the acoustic guitar parts loop, but it doesn't feel looped. And it hits perfectly every time. It just, yeah. it changes. And it and might go, even be better than Sloop. You never know. That's right. You don't right. know. And I go, I'm going to leave that alone. You don't know. I think I'm going to leave that alone. There's a drum loop that's so good on this other song. I think I might just have Aaron play fills over it. Yeah. You know? There's no right way. Yeah. That's I the think, other thing. There's no right way. But it's harder as you get older to find parking spaces in the lot for songs that you haven't touched on before. So that when you do, you go, oh, that's one. And when you don't, you go, yeah, I've done that. I've done that. You know, I have so, I have so many parts. And sometimes you come up with a thing that doesn't have words and you already box yourself in because you've written so many syllables. You ever have someone do that? You go, you're going to go write those syllables, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's too, sometimes it's too boxed in. Yeah. I mean, I, I have, I have so many ideas. If you don't have any words, 
not even anything to go on, when, when is the day you're going to wake up and go, oh, that's the word? You have to, a great idea can just stay a great idea. For, uh, the words are what are going to spin you into the next. So I have so many songs. I could that hum was a you. beautiful piece of music just now. <laughs> the, you know, I mean, that like, was great. So do the same thing again now and just not, don't make sense or anything. Right. Just put words in it. Right. Tell me where I'm going to go when it's always going to be so slow. And I take it a time to go. Right, and yeah. you, you, and you do that cutting over and over again, over and over, different sounds. And over again. That, you notice I'm not scared to do it. I will do it in front of, well, you, yeah, but I will do it. You know, it's great. And now do it with words. You know, and so I have all the. It's like it's like imagine a guy with a garage full of cardboard boxes. And yeah. It's like here's the thing. Here's the yeah. thing. Here's the thing. And it's almost like. If they don't blast off the moment you have the idea, they just become parts. So my, new, my suggestion to you, this would be my message for the day, is every time you do this exercise, never do it without words. Oh, I, yeah, I'm with you. Like, I, I've it's never, never done it with, da da da. No, I've never done da da da. Mm, good. I'm just showing you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. Always, mm. they could be bad, the wrong words, but there's always words. I agree with you just completely. The sound of the words. That's my rule with other people when I work with. Great. Don't. <laughs> yeah. There's no hum. Just yeah. go. Yeah, just yeah, go. Yeah. And if yeah. you can train yourself, I do that. I was yeah, making, different every time, yeah, and yep. you find it, yep. it comes from the subconscious. That's it's exact, not so, intellectual. Exactly. And it's when I finally let it go then the truth comes out and yeah. then i go there it is but it's not what i'm thinking about it no and you sit and you you get your no we, we we're our own worst enemies in that respect and and you're you're right and the longer your jags can be the better you are yeah if you can sit behind the microphone for an hour and then get up you're good yeah lately sometimes i go 25 minutes and i go john you got to get your numbers up mm. if you're sitting back there for 25 you got to be back there for an hour i mean yeah. i used to walk in the room and go it's all there let's listen back and circle all the stuff that's there mm -hmm. and that process is a little harder as you get older that mm -hmm. dig that excavation i'm trying to still yeah. i used to open channel and you go how do you do all that and you go i just do you get older and it, yeah. have you noticed is that a common thing with artists know. that the artery just squeezes closed a little I, I i know it doesn't have to i'm sure right. it doesn't right. have to right it doesn't have to. It doesn't yeah. have to. It doesn't have to. No. I spend a lot of time, I don't know if you do this or have done it, measuring time metrics between my career and other great artists' careers. <laughs> no. It sounds like a terrible <laughs> idea, but it's interesting. It's interesting. Have you ever looked at other no. people's careers and no. sort of chronographed it? No. It, no, I'm not competing with anyone. Why would I do I that? I don't want to compete. I want context. Yeah, I don't care. <laughs> I I I want to know less. That's so funny. I I want to know. I want I want context, 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 it's information. So funny. Information, yeah. information and I go okay. I want to learn something I'm interested in but I'm not interested in that. I'm just fascinated with time. Yeah. And 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 opportunity and time and what he's what who gets what for how long? I I It's amazing. Who gets what for how long is an interesting idea. It's yeah. an interesting song idea. Yeah. I hear who gets what for how long? Who gets what for how long? I can what, hear it. What are the chords? 
Who gets what for how long? Who gets what for how long? I've been a and your love is strong, but who gets what for how long? I, I would do that. Oh, that's interesting. I go. Oh, I could figure that yeah. out. I, you could say yeah, coming out I, of the coming out of the change when you went back in. It sounded like the chords wanted to be different than what you did. Right. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. But the chords that went the the first set of chords made sense. But for some reason, when we came back to it, it was something else. Isn't it fun? It's fun. Yeah. And, and fun. I would back Puzzle. now. Now I can reverse engineer. If I said who gets what for how long. That's a question. Yeah. What's the question before that? Why do some people win and some aren't so strong? And who gets what for how long? And why me? Why me and you? Why me? You know? Tell me why someone won't be so strong. And who gets what for so long? It's great. That's the thing. Great. And then I would take that. That's information. I, yeah. If you said, let's write who gets what for how long, mm -hmm. I would say, close the doors, whiteboard. Center goes, who gets what for how long? Why am I asking that? Well, now I'm thinking about winners and losers and blesses and courage. Who, why do we get what we get? Why do we win what we win? Now we get specifics, you know? Nothing special about me, nothing weird about you. There ain't no reason I should have been born this way. United States is a lucky game to play and I want it. I got the number and I don't wanna and I know and I know what I So and maybe I would take the chords I just showed you. So why does it with strong? Why do we wake up and some are strong? And who gets what for how long? That would be no. It's they write themselves. They, they, but but well, they do and they don't, right? That, yeah. Who no, gets what I for know. how long? Wrote itself, and yeah. I'm responsible. Yes. For now, this is my favorite thing. This is my left brain goes. Yeah. If this is all I have, yeah. I have a murder weapon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I have. I'm the detective. And yeah, I have to yeah, figure yeah. out where the murder was committed. Yeah, yeah, who yeah. did it? What's the motive? Yeah, Colonel Mustard. Yeah, that's in right. The, yeah. In the in the den. Yes. And that's really fun for me. Conservatory, I believe. That's, <laughs> yeah, right. that's right. That's right. <laughs> And that's really fun for me. Yeah. That might be a thing. And then we get into the thing where, well, how long do we spend on who gets what for how long? What's the appropriate amount of time to spend on that song before we both look at each other and go, that was nice. Yeah. What else? Yeah. 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 Do you co-write necessarily with people? Nah. Yeah. I try not to. Yeah. I mean, sometimes I'm forced to, but I don't, yeah. I'd rather not. Yeah. Rather not because it's, is, is it fraught with peril in terms of splits and you don't think about no, it? I don't yeah. think about any of that. Yeah. I just would love somebody to be able to do the work and me not have to think about it. <laughs> Seriously, I'm happy to help in whatever I way that's that I, the most honest thing. It's I, real, yeah, I, I don't yeah. wanna do you, I don't You go to do, war, I, I, don't, I don't, yeah. yeah I'm, my interest is in the thing being as good as it could be and the less we have to kill ourselves for that to be the case, great. But Are if you, we have to kill ourselves, we do, but. Okay, so can, if you know in your heart that something wasn't as good as it could have been, but the artist is happy, are you happy? No, and that's a conversation we have. At the beginning of the project, I always say, let's work on this, let's work on whatever it is we're making until we both love it. We'd make that right. agreement. Great. And and it's the same, it's like if I love it and they don't like it, that's a failure. That's right. Either way, it's the same. It's that's like, right. and the same, when it's a band, we all have to love it. Right. Because I guarantee you, 
if we both love it or if we all love it, it's better than when just one of us likes it. Yeah. Has yeah. to be. Has to be. Has to be better. So have you gone down the road of retracking something just because one person in the band needed to hear three more Absolutely. takes? Absolutely. And you know already it's not going to be. I never know anything. I have no so idea. So you've never demonstratively done something in the studio as a favor almost to show someone in real time no. that you don't, right? It, it may be the first time I ever did it. And then as soon as I had one experience where something uh, that every day someone says, I have an idea, let's do it like this. And I hear what they say and I'm thinking, I imagine it. And it's like, that sounds bad. Is my convers self conversation. Uh -huh. I say, okay, let's try it. And then we try it and it sounds good. And it happens all the time uh -huh. and you can't imagine the results so then it's always has to be demonstrated demonstrate it and i'll tell you what if it works for me or not i see okay then there is that editorial it. in there oh absolutely Only i'm not after saying you've given it the chance yeah, yeah we yeah. have to give every we have to give the worst idea a chance right. because you never know right and you, you can't yeah. know yeah can the artist know if they know themselves enough if, if you're no. working with yeah no you can't know yeah you can't or maybe you know but it's you're put, again putting yourself in a tiny little box yeah, there's yeah. so much more possible yeah well that's what i'm learning now yeah as, as having my head opened up for me again yeah because six months ago i went well that was a good like okay yeah. and this tour has proven to me that the dumbest i'll ever be is in my sense of my own capacity for things now you just don't know and you then just if you don't know if you follow that thought it gets really deep because that goes into people's sense of despair and their sense of hopelessness. And it would make sense in a way, I defend the thought in so much as it would make sense that you're you and based on your experience and your grasp of things, you would base your hope off of that. But once you realize that your own take of yourself is just that, everything changes. Yeah everything changes that yeah. your own take of yourself today is not the government of you, who you are no you it, your take on yourself today yeah. is very it's just a story it's just a story it's just a story it's a made-up story it's a made-up story yeah it has nothing to do with you yeah has nothing to yes. do with you. that right there <laughs> is is the the deepest pearl i could dive for or thought i could have ever reached is you're telling yourself it's not necessarily psyching yourself out, but it's telling yourself the story in the voice that's not yours and the voice from above. Well, that's just the way it is. And I went on tour to be like, okay, let's just have fun and play some acoustic songs. It'll be fun. And this audience every night has just been a mirror for me and saying, go, do this. We love this. This is who you are. So I want to go right back into the studio and make more songs like that. Of course. Not reinvent the wheel. No. More songs on the guitar. Of course. I want to do that. Fun. That's a lick. Absolutely. Absolutely. Not, uh, I want to work with this person, no. take this technology, and then is it, because that's where your mind wants to go is how do I stay in that world? And you go, no, 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 the best thing you can do is let go of that world. Absolutely. And, and drift into your world. That's it. And that's what this that's tour has shown me. And that's the fu the future. That's that is your future. That's the, that's the, yes. And so to have that shown to me yeah, when I am such it. a know-it-all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is, yeah. is, is, is shocking. Yeah, like, it's great. 
I just had the next 10 so years happy for you. opened up to me. Yeah. You know, probably the next 30. 30, 30 you know, <laughs> okay. Now I don't know anything. No, back to square one. Yes. Back to square one. Wait, and it said, feels great. It feels great. Yeah. And the wonder of discovery when it happens, it's thrilling. When you don't know how it's going to go and something good happens, it's incredible. It's incredible. It's not, I'm I just, just doing the thing that I know that I know how to do it. I, that I just get, gets old and that makes sense that a couple of years ago you had that feeling of like i think i might have done it all I think that i, I might have gotten to the bottom of the bag maybe you got to the bottom of that, that version yes <laughs> right yes you did that yeah. now it's time to reinvent and make something completely different well you have this too there's you have no proof that you can't do this forever now absolutely and once you now once you once you're once you can say you have no proof you can't do it forever that's the glory yeah that's where you go until the doctor sits you down and goes look yeah. you know this is what i feel in my life now it's this until a doctor sits me down and goes look when i first became a doctor i go shit tell me <laughs> you know what i mean you know i just have this okay it's because everything else is worked out yeah all those things that gave you so much anxiety and stress and worry and you had to build a person around that as you were doing it in front of everybody is nailed down and even that can sometimes feel like a loss because a lot of what gets celebrated is that young, fiery sort of hit the scene. Well, they're not nailed down. When you finally get nailed down, it's actually a beautiful feeling. And it's going to be there until I'm not on earth anymore. And until that moment that I'm not on earth, it's going to be there. And I'm getting used to that now as the trade-off for newness. Yeah. You know, you have to let go a little bit. Yeah. People will come up to you and say, my high school self is freaking out right now. You know, how do you how do you feel about people coming up and talking to you about records that you remember making 30 years ago? It's amazing. Still as good as a record you made last year. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. They're all the, it's all the same. Yeah. I don't listen to any of them. <laughs> you know, it's like I it's like, yeah, that was a great moment in time. Yeah. yeah. I'm so glad you like it. When yeah. someone talks about one that less people talk about, that's really cool. It's like Wow, no one's ever said that about that album right, before. That's right, great. Right. Yeah, I'm 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 embracing all of it. That you have people saying my middle school self is freaking out right now and they're in their you know their thirties. But also where I'm headed now is someplace now I only have to think about music. I don't have any expectations. Fun. I have no so expectations. I'm just gonna put You're music free. out now. That's great. Just to do it. It's great. So what am I, I've made it in music. What am I expanding into? More music. John, what are you going to, how are you going to roll this out? What are you going to do? Just more music? Well, you've done music. No, but I've not done the music I haven't done yet. Yeah. And the world of music is big enough to just keep expanding it's in it. It's endless. Yeah. And the way you describe the way you write and make your demos, that's one way to do it. Yes, the way you've always done You're right. it. But that's one way. You're right. There's a million ways. That's right. Write so first. It, Write first and then ring it, read them out. Absolutely. Yeah. Jam with a band, write songs with a right. group of musicians there That's playing right. together. That's I've right. never done that. That's it's interesting. Right. It's different. Get a Tascam four track a cassette. It's a million ways yeah. to go about it. Yeah. There's a million ways to go but about it. But the thing I want to say is that writers get tuned in. And I'm not even talking about like tuned in to like the divine. Just sometimes you just feel tuned in with your tastes and what you know it takes, and especially what little you know it takes. Right now, I get 
My Hometown by Bruce Springsteen. I get how you could write it. I get how I could write something that simple because I'm lined up with it. Whatever that thing is by playing these shows, I'm lined up with it. That's why I want to go write as soon as I can. When you're not lined up with it, you think it takes 300 pivot points, right? That you just psych yourself. Right now, I fucking get it. Yeah. At, at your best, you go, dude, pick a line that matters, make it the centerpiece of your song and sing how you feel about that line. Do it in four to six chords and roll the tape. And it sounds so easy to be aligned with that. It's and great. it is so hard to be aligned with that. When you're not aligned with it, yeah. you go, where am that I going to get words from? Foreign. Yeah, it's foreign. Where are you going to get words yeah. from? Can't think about it. Just got to do it. You cannot think about it. It just has to make sense that That's something it. that strange could happen. It happens all the time. It happens every day. It wouldn't happen for me if I didn't think it made sense that it could happen. Yeah. It's hard to explain. No, I understand. You just have to see down the road. Yes. You see down the road. You go like this. Yes. It takes four things. Yes. Take a sentence that yes. matters to you. Now, there are months of time. I go, where am I going to get a sentence from? <laughs> right? Right now, if we sat here and did, I would come up with something and it would be direct yeah. and powerful. I don't know if it would be great, but no. you'd go. And it doesn't even no, matter it have to because be. it's a process. Yes. You do that all the time. Yeah. Sometimes some come out really good. Some yeah. come out less good. It's okay. You yeah. got to get through the yeah. not so good ones to yeah. get to the good ones. Yeah. Part of the process. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just it's like an eclipse when, all, when everything lines up in front of everything else yeah. and you go, oh, you just pick a line that feels like something and you sing it and then you're done. And you, and you sing around it in the verses and then you got yeah, it. Or you overhear someone say something. That's right. Someone says something like, oh, that's, that's right. a good phrase. That's right. Done. And I can still go, and who gets what for how long? Yeah. I can still sing it. That's also a test too. If I go home after yeah, writing a song, it. if you can't sing it to yourself, it's not good. If you've worked on it for four hours, you can't yeah, sing yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Doesn't mean anything. Not good. Yeah. If you can sing it while another song's going, it's a big one. That's a good rule. Yeah. So as you notice, when we talk about this, we think we're closing out topics and we just keep opening up. Oh, absolutely. Just absolutely. bag after ba things to fill and it just keeps going. It's infinite. Infinite. It's infinite. Yeah. And so much fun to talk about. Yeah. Fun to think about, yeah. fun to talk about, fun to make, fun to do. Yeah. We're so lucky that this is our lives. We get to basically play and these things appear that weren't there. Yeah. And then we get to share them with people and they get to have an experience. Yeah. And, and it's amazing. Then... Like you were saying, they catalyze it and return it to you. It's different. It's different. It's different. It's different. I play Stop This Train every night. It's not a song from a record anymore. It's a feeling for people. It's a feeling for me. I think about my dad and I look at their faces and I know what's going on. Yeah. I know that they're thinking about people who might not be there, people... No, I'm not colorblind. I know the world is black and white. And that's the song, right? And I look out, and people have this look on their face that's like, it's like a pout. It's like a it's like adults with this, it, this, this vulnerable pout. They're taking it in, and it's melting them down. And it's like, that is a universe away from I want to make it as a musician. Universal way. And, and I should have thought that. Yeah. But once you do, what are you going to do with that? Yeah. Once make you experience it. More? It. 
dominate further in the no i don't want to dominate the world anymore you go like this any and people go feels so good this train i want to get off and go home again i can't take the speed it's moving in i know i can but honestly won't someone stop this train and you and i'm only doing it to bring those colors up in their head yeah and bring the colors up in my head and think about my dad and think about how i thought about that and it's way beyond uh if i do this they'll they'll know my name or i'll yeah. prove this person wrong yeah. it's not showbiz anymore it's not showbiz showbiz anymore. has ended yeah man Beautiful. Beautiful. Pleasure speaking to you about this. Showbiz has ended. Yeah. That's the perfect line to... That's brilliant. I'm not going to forget that. You that, you nailed that ending. Wow. Thank you. <laughs> My pleasure. Showbiz has thank ended. Thank you for playing music for us, too. It's so great. Uh, no, thank you. I, I, isn't it funny to talk about the process and you get instantly... And I, I get concurrently inspired and frustrated. I just get excited. Yeah, I get I get inspired. Yeah. And no, frustrated. but I think you're frustrated because you want to do it right now. Yes, that's what I can feel. I can feel. Well, you're welcome to say I'm leaving, but you no, can no, stay and do you. it. Thank you. No, uh, thank you for the opportunity to talk to you too. Uh, uh, I just knew that your ability to understand things would allow me to explain them with more sort of bandwidth. So yeah, this yeah, was yeah. really fun to have. That Beautiful, kind of and we'll definitely do it again. Just fun talking to you. I'd love to. Cool. Man. 